Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. PJ, it was like the Nutton Crook Path and Cork winning the All-Ireland for me. The massive problem we have in this country is the shadow economy, the black market. Everything can be controlled, and that's the job of the government. I just wanted to give back. We're all going to be old someday. It's nice to know that there's someone looking out for you. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Morning. It's the 1st of February. Happy St. Bridget's Day to you all. Mind you, it's been years since people called their child Bridget, Bridget or Breed. Years. I'll give you the numbers in a while. So we've got our first ever holiday named after a female next Monday. Uh, that's a great thing to get, a new holiday in February. It's still not, it's not that big long arse stretch now between the new year and St. Patrick's Day. But we've not named anybody after uh, the patron saint or the matron saint, as they're calling her, uh, for years. Not in big numbers anyway. I'll tell you about that in a, in a little while. And by the way, before anybody starts... It's the rock I'm happy to perish on. This is the 1st of February. It's St. Bridget's Day. The 1st of spring is next month. So don't even get me going on it now because we'll be arguing science and meteorology against folklore and science will win. Next next, next month is March. Eugene, don't even start. Eugene was messaging me at home last night to make this argument. But anyway, I've been doing it for years and I always win this little route. But I'm happy to take you on if you want to. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. They're looking at me outside now. Ferguson is shaking his head. And he's saying, Coogan, this gets you into trouble every February and you keep doing it. Why do you think you keep doing it? 0818 96 96 96. Text to WhatsApp is 083 396 And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I'm also looking into something. Imer is helping me to look into this. Um, I have discovered that your bank may text you. Now, we were told for always and ever that your bank won't text you. And there's scam after scam purporting to come from this bank and that bank and other bank. And they're all scams through text messages. And now I'm learning your bank might actually text you after all. We're trying to get to the bottom of that and I'll come back to it in the course of the morning. Johnny wants to know that I say white rabbits three times because it's the first of the month. I didn't. But um, what was the other one? 
Um, a pick in the punch, first of the month. Thanks for that. Right. To less optimistic things, it seems now like a daily occurrence in Cork that a shop or a butcher's or a pub is closing down. I see Fitzy's in Crosshaven is gone and the poor devils were barely open. Uh, most people now citing energy costs or citing online shopping as the main causes of these closures. And during the pandemic, so many people pivoted to selling their wares online because they had to and we pivoted to buying our wares online because we had to and then the pandemic went into the rearview mirror and we could go out again and shop again and did we get lazy with the old iPad or the old phone and whatever and is it a thing that yes the energy crisis is what it is yes the price of gas, lecky, refrigeration all those things has gone through the roof or is it that we have become too digital and because we're so digital we're not doing local Uh, there's a shop in Charleville called Moran's Menswear they're closing as well Adrian Wells has a business himself in uh, Charleville and and joins me. Adrian did we go too digital and not think about going back? Good morning Good good morning to you Good morning to you. Um, Firstly when we say we it's all of us yeah, that's what um, I meant. Anybody that purchases online, it's we. That's all of us. That's the first thing I'd like to get across. Um, uh, uh, yes, we have. Yes, we have. Um, uh, firstly, picking up on Fitz's, such a loss to them. My heart goes out to them. Another business is just, you know, it's just terrible. Um, Moran's clothes, men, men's clothes store in Charleville, been around for 130 odd years. And at the end of the day, they're not here anymore. Um, The reasons are complex, but one of them is certainly we could have bought more from them. Yeah. That's that's the truth. And it's a conversation that we don't seem to want to have. Yeah. That we've got some responsibility to this situation of businesses going down. Um, Of course energy costs are a major issue and if you're in if you're in the uh if you're in growth in the grocery industry or something it is it, absolutely horrific because obviously you've got all the refrigerators and all of those sort of things but general stores of course their bills are going up mm. but it, it hopefully it's not going to be the be all and end all um but your lack of sales will be Um, And we we need to consider this. And we also need to consider the consequences to the society we live in, especially in the rural towns. Um, And that's that's really what I've I've tried to raise. Yeah. Yeah. And you run a... Do we want to have that discussion? You run a design um, banner design service. And I take it that you are online if I went looking for you, Adrian. Not really. Most of our business... We're very, very happy to do it the old-fashioned way. Right. Um, and it, the nature of our business is we can go online, but the problem is is that you, you finish up, basically, you, you'll finish up with more competitors online than you will yeah. <laughs> offline. Because, um, but you also would end up, would you not, with particularly in the, the kind of thing that you do, if you're exhibiting your wares in a place where I can see them, or better still, somebody in Dublin, or better still, again, somebody in Dubai can see them, and they say, well, I like what he's doing. Click, click, click. And you've got a, a customer that will never see the streets of Jarlable. Uh, absolutely. But then what happens is this then affects somebody else's community. 
So it goes it goes around in circle. We like to support our local community, mm. and our local community know where we are, mm. and we market ourselves that way. Um, uh, and it's and it's not the be all and end all with the website, etc. Um, it's something that we're recreating at the moment, and it's something we're very much aware of. But do we want to be that sort of business? Do we want to be a a local business? We don't want to be a uh, regional. Well, we want to be regional, but certainly not national or international. No interest in doing that we're not structured that way and also for our type of business to do that in a rural location is very very difficult yeah yeah so so what do we do adrian do we have to take uh, as they say have a conversation with ourselves about how uh, how much we're doing online and maybe rethink it I think we do need to rethink it. I'm not for a second suggesting that we have, because we're local, we have to buy local. You have to buy from the local. That's that's ridiculous. You've got, you know, everybody should have a freedom of choice. Mm. What we do need to understand is that when we go and spend a hundred euro online and it goes to, if you like, the equivalent of me a thousand miles away or whatever, um, that's a hundred euro that was taken in some form or other out of the local economy. Yeah. Now, local businesses, as you're aware, support all the different societies and groups and clubs and all the voluntary things that go on in the area, etc. Morans were a huge supporter of this. Yeah, That's one less business that's going to be able to support these voluntary organisations. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the consequence of spending our money elsewhere to some degree. Yeah. It's it's something to be thought about, I would certainly think. And I know myself, and I'm going to be very straight about it here. I got very comfortable with online. Well, first of all, I had no choice. None of us had a choice during during the lockdown. But but then I realised when, when lockdown ended, I didn't really need to personally go to such mm. and such a shop. And I went click, 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 and I bought stuff again. Yeah. But I'm now looking at stuff like Moran's closing. Now, I've never been to Moran's, but I'm thinking of businesses closing all around. And I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, should I make the effort to get up off my arse, get on the bus, go to town and buy it in the shop? Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, you've just hit it on the head, really. When it comes down to it, you, you, I, whoever, made the choice of going, I could buy this locally, but I could just do it online. Mm. Um, and we think of buying online in the same way as we buy anything but we don't understand the consequences of what happens when we do it now you can buy um, locally so, online yeah. too that's the other side of it oh absolutely absolutely uh but it's also very difficult for smaller smaller businesses to compete price wise because it's a sliding scale um uh the smaller you are the less you know the less easy it is is to be as as price focused and yeah. unfortunately we think because it's not always about price it's about the value we get yeah um and the value we get from buying locally isn't always as apparent as what we think it is mm-hmm. the value we get is all the things that go on in the background that the local businesses have been supporting well it's yeah it's like you said if you take something like a, a fundraiser in charleville mm. and in previous years you would have gone into Moran's or anybody else but maybe go into you go into you Adrian and I'm running a fundraiser for the local GA club or soccer club or rugby club and and I'm saying Adrian can you do me a voucher for something and you'll give me a voucher for my draw and I'm delighted with you but if you're gone out of business not only are you out of business but I'm out of a voucher I'm out of I'm out of a supporter but then also Morans were a great client of mine over the years. Oh, were they? They're not there anymore. Yeah. So when somebody comes to me, I've now got to try and offer that support to the organisation 
without right. the income coming in. Um, and I, and I've, I've, I'm not happy to outline what we have given to local voluntary organisations in just the last month. And it comes to it comes to four hundred euro, just over four hundred euro. And we're only a small business, yeah. uh, in in real terms. And additionally, there's another four hundred euro in wages that have been um, paid to allow us to support different organisations. So, in other words, it's not just in a it's not just in a monetary form. It's actually in you know, offering our services as well. Yes. Um, now. That doesn't make me a hero. That's my, that makes me responsible for my society. Mm. Um, and all I'm asking is, is just now and again, just give a little bit of a thought where that money comes from. <laughs> it's it's very valid. It's very valid. Kate is wondering here, do you think that councils could do their bit here to make shopping in somewhere like Charleville a better experience? And look, Charleville, and you don't mind my saying so, this, Adrian, I'm sure is a bit of a traffic nightmare at peak times and and years ago a friend of mine showed me that little sneaky bypass down by the NCT and, and, and I've thanked him from that day to this but that's not helping either the traffic and the public transport through channel uh, yeah I I mean with regards to the, um, with regards to the council the council does in my, and this is my personal opinion the council does infrastructure and that sort of thing really well um, that's what its job is, etc. But it seems to have got into the the economics of the area, etc., which I think it's less so. So it tends to do things that aren't always as joined up as they should be. Now it's quite interesting what you were saying there is is that it's it's an no the the traffic is a nightmare in Charleville. Mm. Um, uh, but you can apply that to anywhere. You can. You can. Um, uh, you, I, I. The, the big problem, for example, with regards to the, the, the motorway, whilst it will benefit yourselves down in Cork City and the lads up in Limerick City, etc., problem with bypasses, by their very name, they bypass you. True. So the benefit of the motorway might also have a serious downside. There's, yes. there's two sides to this. There is, and I've uh, talked to every small townland along that proposed motorway to Limerick, and... The, People who go through Charleville regularly may know what I'm talking about when I mention the sneaky bypass down by the NCT and the back of Duns. Mm-hmm. It's very handy if I'm going to Limerick for work, but it's a bit of a nuisance for someone running a business on the main street, and I can fully appreciate that. Here's another one. Kevin comes up with, he says, here's the problem. I work, says Kevin, when retail's open. When I'm off, they're closed. The world has changed, and an online footprint must be accommodated. He says, refusing to accommodate an online footprint means that I'm spending my money, but I'm not spending it in the shops. And there is a point to be made there, Adrian, isn't there? If you want to operate a retail business outlet, you need to understand that a lot of the people who are going to buy from you are working while you're open. Time has changed that way. Absolutely. Um, and, and, I've, and, and that, the businesses need to adapt and take that into account. Um, but that's always been the case, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Most people have worked between nine and five. That's it. Uh, and most businesses, retail businesses, open between nine and five. And I can never get over the point where there are actually businesses that close at lunchtime. Uh, that, that staggers me. But that's, yeah. a, you know, that's another story. Um, absolutely. Uh, so... Are we at a point? Are we, you know, are we put when it comes to retail, high street retail? Are we saying then we're pushing water uphill here? Um, there is no need for or, or demand for 
retail shops? Have mm. we got to that point? And if, if that's the case, then we need to look at things again. Um, but I don't think we're doing anybody any favours by just carrying on like this. And then one by one, the retail stores and the different pubs and clubs and uh, coffee shops and all of that sort. Because of, it's not just retail that it's happening to. I mean, we were talking mm. about Fitzes, weren't we, just then? Yeah. Um, uh, drop off until eventually there's nothing left. What What do we want? Yeah. Yeah. It's It's a... A lot of points to ponder, Adrian. A lot of points to ponder. And thank you uh, f- for talking to us about it. That's Adrian Wells. His business is Da Vinci Creative Signs, Designs and Banners in Charleville. We went online uh, because we had to. And now many of us have stayed online because it's handy. It might be handy for us, but for businesses like Moran's in Charleville and others, it's a nightmare because we're not coming into the shops anymore. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Look, I'm off tomorrow and Friday, and I have a few little things to do, and I'm coming into town to do them. No, admittedly, one of them involves going for a night test, which I can't do online. But while I'm having my eyes tested, I'm going to do a few little jobs that I might otherwise do online. But no, I'm going to pop into town and do them, and go into shops and buy stuff, and rather than click and collect and buy online because I'm off and it's convenient for me but there's Kevin's point made it's convenient for me to do this tomorrow and Friday but it's not convenient for me to do it if I'm doing my normal working day your thoughts are welcome 0818 96 96 96 83 96 96 96 Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. I'm the guy that sorts out your afternoon playlist every single day with the likes of these guys. Hey, I'm Dermot Kennedy. Hi, this is Taylor Swift. Hey, this is Bruno Mars. Hey, hey, this is Lady Gaga. I'm also just one phone call away from making your day. Hi, Tracy. <laughs> Oh my God, Simon, I love you. Every afternoon, listen at work, in the car, at home, or ask your smart speaker to... Play Cork's 96FM. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4pm. With Clonacal Tea Veggie Sausages, a taste you love, made with fresh vegetables. On Cork's 96FM. The conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. See this uh, ESB electricity overcharging story that's in the news. The numbers there are bonkers. And this 50 quid ain't going to crack the ice. I tell you that now first, nothing. And I'll come back to it in a little while because I've been doing the sums there this morning. But staying with businesses closing, and this was sad news because John you barely got the door open you were shut down by COVID and now you're gone oh, no. you're gone permanently I'm so sorry to hear it Fitzies and Crosshaven good morning thanks 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 very much thanks very much Peter yeah we uh, we, we opened um, and took over the bar down there three years ago coming up and uh, we were open two and a half weeks and um, the news came out uh, coming up on Paddy's weekend that all businesses being were being shut, and again, uh, like everybody did at the time, everybody thought, well, "Hey, we'll we'll close down for maybe two three weeks, and you know, we'll 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 get back to normality." And sure, as we all know, that didn't happen. Yeah. And uh, because again, we were a new business that had only opened um, 
we weren't entitled to any of the 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 the, the, the incentives that were brought out to help businesses that were oh, shut really? down by the government. Yeah, you needed a year's you needed a year's um, trading books um, to be able to show, and sure, we wouldn't have had that. So we were able to get some of the county uh, like the rates and stuff that were that were um, given back to us. Um, we got those sort of subsidies from 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 uh, to help us, but nothing else. We couldn't get another another penny. Um, so then, when we were allowed to reopen again, we were playing catch up right from the get go. But the end of June and, wasn't it in twenty twenty? If I remember yes, rightly, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So again, we were playing catch up, um, like every other business out there, no matter whether it was hospitality or otherwise, um, and just again with the war in the Ukraine then popping up. Um, they just the, the the I mean, we we were we our our our, our electricity went up by nearly three hundred percent over over a period of time, wow. and you just couldn't sustain that. I mean, again, before you even poured a pint or did anything else, you were already at 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 at, at a you were already you know taking steps backwards. And I know that you you had a popular little place going down there because some of yes. my, my musician friends were saying they love playing down there. Yeah, yeah. Again, it was always known. Uh, Fitzy's was always known as a as kind of a music hub. It was it was known as a place for us. But again, like you know, it, it, things got quieter because again, people people were watching their pennies, and they still are. Yeah. Um, well, if you look at the price so of drink and the way it's gone, you look at the price, yeah. 50, yeah. 50 cents now on a pint of Guinness. In in the city, yes. In the in the city, yes. Heineken put theirs up, um, which again, I think that everybody in the business and in the trade wonders where they were coming from with that. With with the fact that during lockdown, um, Guinness, Heineken, they, I mean, they coined it. They absolutely coined it in the off licenses and inside. Good the, man. Inside good the, man. Yeah. Good man. Well, well said. May I ask John, for example, I mean, how much were you able to? get away with charging for, I mean, and I mean to both make a profit and keep your customer happy for a pint of Heineken. Uh, let me see. Before Heineken put up their prices, we were five, five euros, 10 cent for a, a, a Heineken. Right. And when the price was put up, it was put up by 12 and a bit cent or whatever you might call it. Mm. So I actually only put 20 cent onto, onto the pint. Right. Okay. So okay. five, five thirty, five thirty is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which you is, know, you know, it's, it's, that's unfortunately go, it's the going rate for a pint of lager at least. Which, when well, you consider again, we make yeah. the bloody stuff down around the corner from me here, down around the corner. it's infuriating, yeah. but still, but still. Yeah. 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 You know, um, so, so, I mean, it, it, it's a case of that really when you're, when you're based in a village and any other publican who's out there outside of the city centre, you can only really charge roughly what's what's based around you. But the market will support. Inside, inside in the city, people don't spot it because you go from pub to pub and if you decide to go into pub A or pub B, you're just going to hand over your your money or you're going to, you know, use your phone and beep and you don't have a clue what you're paying. That's true. You know, too. so it's That's different. Yeah. Now, look, I can't buy a pint online, so you're not being hit no. by online business. Um, no. Were you able to get this TBSS thing at all for your energy bills? No. Well, we got we got the few we got the few we got the, a, a bit of credit in, but again, uh, in in the bar, um, the owners set up at one point because of ish, previous issues. They set it up that uh, it was prepay, prepay power, and prepay gas. Right. Right. So again, our our unit rate would have been would have been a bit higher. They're hungry meters in higher. a pub, I'd say. 
yeah yeah so so um you know we we we, we, we did our best with it mm. but again like i mean sure gas and electricity have gone up 300 percent, as i said and you know i mean the whole the wholesale prices are coming down mm. I know. But I we're know. still we're still being hit, and again, it's in within homes. It's it's within everything, yeah, yeah. and I think that you know, uh, like we're we're a small we were a small a small pub. I I can only only imagine what the bigger pubs are are being hit with over the past while. Yeah, someone said did the calculations a few months ago. Just come back to the average point now, and say a pint yeah. of Guinness. Some guy in Dublin did a calculation on a pint of Guinness, and he said if he was to apply the cost of energy, to he'd be charging about twenty three euro for a pint of Guinness. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Now in Temple Bar, they're not and, far and, off that, but anyway. no, I know. But again, like you know, I, I think that like any most businesses out there. You know, somebody saw us put up by twenty cent, mm. and uh, you know, a cost, customers are going, "Oh, jeez, you put it up twenty cent. Oh, you'll be coining it now. Oh, jeez, <laughs> you'll be buying a new car, or whatever." They don't see the the costs that go on behind within a business, yeah. between the high, the, the the electricity, the rates, you know, wages, everything else. It, yeah. it it's it's huge. It is. You know, it and is. I can understand in some respects why a pint is more expensive within town because the rates are far far higher mm. and stuff but it's 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 still crazy so you were left unfortunately with absolutely no choice no we we did the maths on it and and we kind of went you know we we could possibly try and try and rally through this but again it was it was a case of how long more is is the is the price of energy going to be at this level, and how long can we sustain it? Yeah, John Lowe, the money doctor, was talking to me yesterday about why the energy prices are still so high when the price of gas has begun to turn a corner. He said mm-hmm. because the energy companies that make electricity using gas locked in their prices, so the gas they the next wholesale deal won't be for several months. So the prices on wholesale now, we won't see if we ever see. We won't see them for several yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, and sure. Again, sure. Yourself, you know yourself, PJ. You've seen it in the news. I mean, the the government having having you know bits of bits of electricity which the which which the us consumers have paid for over the years for different issues and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's. <laughs> at what point? At what point aren't aren't the questions been asked? <laughs> you know. All right, listen, John. I wish you guys well. Someone, I think the the great Dick Brazel was mentioning on Facebook that he hopes you'll be pulling a pint somewhere soon. So do I. I. Thanks very much, PJ. Much appreciated. Cheers. That's John from Fitzy's in Crosshaven. I know my musician friends were saying last night what a wonderful place it was to play. And, and that's so sad. 0818 96 96 96. Oh, oh, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, okay, not saying anything just yet, but something very interesting has popped up on my screen. I can't say a word yet. I'm just hoping that I'll be able to say it soon. 0818 96 96 96. There's a story in the papers this morning. Hold on a second. Talk among yourselves for a second. Yeah, this is one in 20... Now, this is just incredible. Porig Hoare has this story. Podge has this story in the examiner. He says around one in 25 homes in the country are vacant. 
well, tens of thousands are in dire needs of housing. This data comes from the CSO. And what they do is the CSO calculate on the basis of the amount of electricity that a house is using. And they can tell that you're not in the house, there's nobody in the house, if there's no licky being used, which is logical. One in 25 homes in the country, vacant. Now add that to the number of derelictions out there and we really do have the solution to the housing crisis in front of us, screaming at us to be taken on board. Jude Cherry from Derelict Ireland. Am I wrong or right? Good morning. Hi, hi, PJ. Thanks for having me on today. You're you're absolutely right there. There's a, a massive waste of homes and commercial buildings around Ireland that are laying empty, some for a short period, but some for a very long period that we should be getting back into use as quickly as possible. They offer really do offer us an opportunity to get homes back to people quickly and cheaper than waiting for the new bills that just aren't coming at the moment. Now, you and I have talked, and I talked to Frank as well before, about derelict dereliction and the idea of taking over a building that is now derelict and tumbled down and putting it right to put a couple of apartments or maybe even convert it into a house. And I did make the point, Jude, that, well, just in my own personal experience of modern engineers, they would drive you to beat your head off those old tumble-down stone walls before they'd let you do anything. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we have a lot of myths around old buildings in Ireland. So it's it's estimated that about 16% of the housing stock in Ireland is, is what would be considered heritage or traditional builds. So around pre-1940s, uh, 1930s. So builds with old stones or bricks. Um, and there's misconceptions around these not being very energy efficient, for instance. But actually, they're... What studies have shown is that they're more energy efficient, say, than 70s or 80s built homes in yes. Ireland. Yes. What they do need is structurally a way as well. Of taking the, structurally, oh, they'll make like, you. Put, I mean, the cost of steel has like trebled, and engineers seem to have a love affair with flipping steel. Yeah, yeah. and it's not just the cost of it; it's the carbon side of it too. Steel, aluminium, and concrete make up about 23 percent of the global uh, climate emissions that we've got. They're extremely energy intensive materials. And we've got all these materials already in place in buildings. We don't need to replace them, especially the structure of houses that are sound. We don't need to replace them. What we can do is go in, put new windows, new flooring, new roofs on them. And that reduces the cost of having to do everything new from scratch. There are also, if you have a look at the ESB information, the census information, geodirectory information, our town centres and our city centres have extremely high rates of vacancy. Mm. And these are places where we should be make sure that they're livable for families from everyone from an 8-year-old to an 80-year-old. Mm. And that they'd bring a lot of life back into places and a lot of uh, customers for places like John's Bar as well. Yeah. Now, something I frequently do is I look out the window here at Studio One and I frequently complain, listeners are blue in the face from hearing me complain, about... Just take Patrick Street as a prime example. How much empty space is being let go to rot on Patrick Street, Jude? I, 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 there's a colossal amount of empty spaces, empty shops, and not just the shops themselves, but above the shops too. So above the shops could be converted into homes, and the shops themselves, actually, it's for the council to regenerate a place like Patrick Street. If you let more places 
uh, closed down, the street will become deader and no one will want to go there. But actually what we proposed with the Heritage Council and um, with Ali Harvey and the Heritage Council last year was a what we call the Labate, a hotbed of innovation. So to open up empty spaces for meanwhile use, let creatives, let communities in there get a bit of innovation back into into our uh, town centres and our high streets and our, our main streets and our city in cities and towns, and like you see this all over happened all over Europe during COVID. Places were opened up for different uses, maybe for creches, maybe for uh, play spaces, maybe for art spaces, even things like indoor bike parking or or. Uh, places you can leave your shopping while you're out shopping so you can collect it so you maybe can get the bus home instead of having to drive in. So there's a whole variety of creative uses we can use for empty shops that maybe don't need a huge amount of work to go in and use them, but bring life back into into the city and town centres. The housing department, the Minister, Darrell O'Brien, was on telly the other night talking about this new incentive that they have for derelict premises and, of course, he chose to launch it in the derelict premises. How corny was that? But... That having been said, will that make any difference? I think it will. It will help a bit, all right. So there's two measures they've they've brought in. They've brought in a grant for people who have vacant or are buying vacant or derelict property. So a grant of between 20 to 50K. Um, and that will help people, definitely. It will help go towards the cost of renovating these places, um, as well as SEAI funding on top of that. And then what they've also brought in is a 150 million fund for local councils to go out and uh, maybe explore and CPO uh, derelict and vacant buildings, homes, in order to either to convert to social housing or to put back on the market for someone else. And I suppose what counties like Limerick have already shown, they've, they've CPO'd nearly 200 over the last few years. So they've shown that it is possible, it mm-hmm. can be done. And mm-hmm. if they share their learnings then with all the other councils. Um, so like Cork City Council have been very active in the last year of putting around 25, 26 properties on the derelict registry in the last year alone. So if they continue that, registering derelict buildings really quickens up the CPO process. So it means that the council can go in and compulsory purchase order existing derelict homes and either convert them to social housing or or sell them on maybe to approved housing bodies, people like uh, Peter McFerry Trust, who can then uh, convert them into homes as well. I've talked as well with both yourself and Frankie about the need for a use it or lose it clause how, how do we, we we do need that don't we we do and we do have it already under the derelict sites act but it needs to be expanded yeah. into vacant homes and vacant buildings commercial buildings too that have been left vacant for too long um, and we have what we would love to see explore and it's written into the new um strategy that was released on monday is exploration of compulsory sales order for derelict properties and compulsory rental order for uh, vacant homes as well. So the council, what happens in, in places like Barcelona and Amsterdam is if a property's home's empty for longer than six months, the council go in and put a tenant in themselves. So the place, the owner still owns it, but someone actually gets a home. Crikey. Okay. You probably need to do something with the constitution to achieve that here, but it's a good comparison with elsewhere. Jude, thank you. Jude Sherry from Derelict Ireland. Well worth a follow they are actually on social media. is shocking just how much stuff is being left to go to rack and rot and to ruin around our city. And that story this morning in your papers, well, it's yesterday, I'm reading it from now. The CSO reckons after the census of last year, the Central Statistics Office, the country, the country has over 167 
thousand empty homes and apartments. Get your head around that. A hundred and sixty seven thousand vacant houses and apartments. In Cork there's uh, the percentage of what's vacant varies. In the city centre they say seven point five percent. I assume that's of homes. Like this is between the dereliction that's out there and the unoccupied stuff that is out there. Well, uh, sorry, but the solution to the housing crisis is staring us in the face. 0818-96-96-96. Ed has been on and has anticipated where I'm going next. Is there any chance of covering this ESB overcharging households for 12 years? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, Ed. Going there next. This guy was amazing. This guy from Croatia, and he was, he's actually one of the best salesmen I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And was it because he was so nice? Nice, informative. Do you know that I'm a pretty nifty salesperson as well? Go on. I'm really, really good at selling. You want to do the old Jordan Belfort now on me? Send me this pen. Here's a pen. Yeah. All right. How much would you give me for that pen? Uh, 50 cent. Sold. There you go. Thank you very much. Wow. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM. On shopping local, yes, to what Kevin was saying. Why do some businesses close at lunchtime? People are trying to work and to go in there at lunchtime. Surely businesses lose money by closing at lunch hour. I'm sure they do. I've often thought, and then again, someone said to me, well, Paige, you know, do you want to try and open the shop and work those hours with a family, which has to be taken into account? I think there'd be an awful lot more work out there and an awful lot more sales for some local shops if they opened from, instead of nine to five, why not open from 11 to seven? Do you know? Why not open from 12 to eight? Maybe. Or half eleven to half seven. And be open for people to come in after work. Just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah, this household refund on the lecky bills. <clears throat> now, they've said it'll be about 50 quid per house. Which immediately has people saying, that doesn't sound right at all. Well, where did it come from and what's it about? Sinead Ryan, consumer journalist with The Independent. Sinead, good morning. Morning, PJ. There's money owed to every house in the land. How? Apparently so. Uh, well, uh, this is coming from ESB Networks, which is responsible for putting in the infrastructure by which the electricity network uh, arranges itself. So things like renewables and masts and pipes and all that kind of thing. An accounting error uh, over the last 10 years has resulted in a subsidy that is paid by every household towards very large commercial companies. We've been paying it for years. Uh, but due to this accounting error or administration error, as they're referring it to, uh, the wrong amount was taken uh, 
from households to uh, subsidise this other type of business that they do. It should have been a fixed fee, a flat amount that's added to your electricity bill. And in fact, it was a percentage that was taken. And all of that has meant that the wrong amount in, in very small uh, doses has been taken each year and they now need to make a refund according to the regulator. There's two questions arise from that. So are you telling me, Sinead Ryan, that for all these years I have been paying to subsidise the bills of big commercial companies? Uh, yes, but only some of them. So the way that it works is... One is I mean, enough, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> well, the electricity bill, and look, anybody know, looking at their electricity bill when it comes in, or indeed their gas bill, will always be bemused by the number of levies and charges and fees and all sorts of things, usually acronyms that exist on the bill. And most of us don't know what they're for, don't know why they're there. And we just pay them blindly because they're on the bill. Uh, And one of them is, for instance, the PSO levy, the public service obligation. This is the levy that that kind of gives them funding to put in wind farms and renewables and all of that thing, which we want and yeah. we need. But but it costs hundreds of millions to build this stuff. And you right. couldn't expect any organization to kind of cobble the, together those resources. So so we all fund it. And and this is one of these charges and, and it is just the, the wrong amount has been taken. The, the difference since between helping out to provide renewables and, and helping to pay the bills of big companies. But look it, it is what it is. So they were taking too much office and I'm reading from one of the articles this morning that the average could be between 40 and 100 euro per year per household for the last 12 years? Yeah, this charge started in 2010 and it came to light uh, when ESB Networks noticed the anomaly uh, and the regular the regulator, the CRU, got involved because that, that's the way these things work. Uh, so look, I, I, it's hard to know. They haven't pinned down the final sums on it. Uh, there is still work to be done. But I think that um, the amount that has been taken generally is 50 million euros a year is funded on this in this way by these bills uh, and just the wrong amount was taken and they now are going to have to refund it. Now, it looks like the... Uh, average will be around 50 euros back uh, to customers. Uh, but again, we'll have to see how that all pans out. And, and don't forget, PJ, that this is on top of the uh, 600 euros that is coming by way of three bills for the cost of energy crisis. Okay. And indeed, Electric Ireland customers uh, have also, which is the subsidiary arm of ESB Networks, they have separately and confusingly uh, offered another 50 euros back to their customers uh, because of the cost of living crisis and, and it's kind of a refund of some of their yeah. profits. So there's money coming from all sectors well, well, uh, well, on well, the electricity the thing, bills. If, if they, they're, they're saying about 50 quid per household, Sinead. Now, if you do the math, so if there's 600 million there from 12 years of over-collecting to the tune of 50 million... And there's 5 million of us in the country. That's 120 quid per head. So divide, divide that down into the number of households. It's an awful lot more than 50 quid. Well, what, what 
we need to know is, and, and there is more work to be done here, but it's how much of it was overcharged and how much of it was taken as a legitimate charge. So it's the overcharge that's being refunded. I mean, this levy has existed and, and you know, it, it's a legitimate charge. Oh, it's so it's we're, really we're just totally, how much was taken as an overpayment. I gotcha. So maybe the, maybe the figures aren't as straightforward as I'm reading them because 600 million was oh, taken. Some of it was justified, mm-hmm. some of it wasn't. So they have to figure out how much was and how much wasn't. Exactly. And in fact, most of it was legitimate. It was taken. It's been agreed, whatever your politics on the matter, it was taken and used for its proper purpose. But too much was taken because of a mathematical error uh, where they applied the wrong uh, percentage to what they should have charged. I'm not not asking where it seems to lie and what's being refunded. We won't know when this refund is being made I mean not a moment too soon I think is Absolutely. what most households would be thinking uh, but but actually the final amount as well and, and that's what the regulator uh, the Commission for the Regulation of Utilities now will be working with ESB Networks to okay. do that. Okay, okay. Someone has just phoned up here Sinead to ask a question, maybe you can or not answer it. What about the day stroke night tariffs? Because as far as I can see it ends up more expensive than the 24 hour tariff. Well, tariffs are are kind of um, a confusing area at the best of times. And uh, you know that the smart meter programme, which has been rolled out now or is being rolled out between now and the end of 2024 to all households, um, will make that business much more transparent. You'll be able to see exactly what you're being charged really by the hour uh, and ultimately by appliance. So it'll be very, very specific. But at the moment, the tariffs are based on whether you're in an urban area, a rural area, whether most of your charge has been taken at night or during the day, whether you have storage heating or whether you have a pipe system. It's incredibly confusing and far too much so. There's no need for all of that. Mm. And it's very, very difficult for ordinary people to keep on top of what's available. My advice is always don't kind of passively pay your bill without checking at its renewal every single year. What tariff am I on? Is there a cheaper tariff available? Thank you. Can you put me on it? And do that with a number of companies. And that's the only way to do it. Or check through websites like switcher.ie or bonkers.ie or the CCPC, and they will give you independent mm. uh, steers towards the best supplier for you. Yeah, yeah. It's... it's um it, it is actually a little bit a little bit mind-boggling when you go to look mm-hmm. at the various... Another one, I'm sorry, Sinead, when you're a consumer a reporter, the, the people will ring up with these kind of questions. What's going on with the rental tax credit? We were supposed to get 500 quid in January. Can't even get through to revenue. What's happened there? I'm sorry now, PJ, you dropped out of the line there just for a minute and I didn't hear the rent, that query the rent, in full. The rental tax credit, what's happening yes. with that? Okay, well, the rental tax credit, this was announced in the budget. It's a new measure to help tenants um, and it amounts to a 500 euro annual tax credit. So if you're a tenant, if you're a renter uh, and you can apply through a tax return for this um, rental tax credit. Now, it has two purposes. One is to give a little bit of money back to tenants who need it. Uh, But the other, of course, uh, as with all revenue measures, is to make sure that everybody is tax compliant. So you will have to divulge details of your landlord. They will have to be registered and then the tax credit can be paid back in that way. So it's it's a good step. It's a small amount, but it's a good step. People are saying it hasn't landed and revenue aren't answering, which wouldn't be a new complaint. A hundred euro 
euro difference in the service charge between 24-hour and day and night tariffs. She'd hardly ever make that up in savings. I think the answer there, Sinead, is you've got to wait till we're all on smart meters when they can tell us literally how much the washing machine costs at particular times of the right. day or night. Yeah, and they've, they've already done this um, really, they're kind of halfway through the programme now or a little bit more. I must say, I got my smart meter fitted. Uh, it only takes about 25 minutes. It's free uh, yeah. and it has made a massive difference because you can see in real time uh, how much electricity that you're using um, really across the board. That's, that's excellent. I've got a letter saying mine will be coming sometime in February, so I look I look forward to it. Sinead, thank you. Sinead Ryan, consumer journalist from The Independent. So the deal with this ESB refund is the, the headline figure that you're getting. This is Sinead's analysis. The headline figure that you're getting of 600 million. There's a bit more to it than that. Of that 600 million, which we have been paying, well, some of it was justified and some of it wasn't. And the excess, what wasn't justified, is what we'll get back. But the regulator has to sit down now and calculate what percentage of what we paid we shouldn't have been paying. And it's that final figure. So what we're going to get back is a, a bit of the 600,000, not all, or 600 million, not all of us. So time will tell how much we'll get. But come here, I got my electricity bill landed on me yesterday. I remember I was saying that the first electricity credit that we got before Christmas took a nice handy bite out of that ESB bill. I have to say, it also took a nice handy bite out of this electricity bill. It's a hefty one, but then again, it's Christmas, it's winter, there's a lot of more lights on, you're washing and drying more. And I looked at it and I goes, do you know what? It's hefty. But i got to tell you, the credits do take a fierce chunk out of it. 0818969696. I don't know, Ed, if that answers your question with regards to the overcharging, but that seems to be the explanation. We won't know how much we're due to get back until the regulator can decide how much of it was a justified payment and how much of it was an overcharge. When we know that, we know more. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96FM. <laughs> The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 396. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. And then something happens and you kick the whole thing to touch for a few minutes at least. Um, Well, last week I spoke to Andrew or Andy Chambers. And you'll remember the story. Andy 
was diagnosed last year with uh, motor neuron disease and it is rapidly progressing and unfortunately he is already in a wheelchair and his doctors and himself are not optimistic about the future and poor Andy is not optimistic that he'll see the end of the year which is a terrible thing to be facing when you're a young man Um, his partner Sian is from Laos Um, they met quite a number of years ago and he was trying to get Sian here to spend what what time he has left with him ideally maybe marry him if he can we we chatted about it last week uh, on the opinion line and here's a reminder uh, once again of that conversation if he could come here tomorrow and I could marry him the following day I would do that I'd, I mean the other thing I'm doing at the moment is I need to write my will and arrange power of attorney as well I'd like to make sure that, that you know my family and seeing as my family were looked after after I passed away um, if I could marry him that's what I would do you know I want to make sure he's looked after and I want to look after him for every time I have left I know I know you're, I I I sense you're scared stiff, buddy, are you? I'm terrified. Um, like my parents are helping me, look after me, but they're 75 and 76. I have an amazing group of friends. I'm very lucky with the friends I have, but I want my partner by my side. I know. While I face into this. I, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to, being seen around I want to bring him down to Cork my first time I kind of guilty here it's a bit foggy at the moment now but it looks beautiful as well I want to show him Cove you know I want to bring him around Ireland and, and show him stuff as well Th- that's kind of all I want to I, I'm, I'm just focused on getting him over here um, and beside me as well I, I suppose one, one thing I will say is when I was diagnosed I told lots of people I told friends family everybody else everybody's first reaction is that devastated for my news and the second question is you know what can we do whatever help you need we're here to help you as well yeah. When I reached out to a number of politicians, where frankly, a lot of times I was ignored. And then when I did get a response back, the response back was, we're devastated for you, but here's what you need to do. I was expecting someone to come back to me and tell me, this is wrong. We're going to get this fixed and here's what we're going to do. So what we did that day with Andrew was we said we would reach out to Michal Martin's office and we would send copies of the interview to Michal Martin. We would send the interview to Simon Harris, who is currently the Justice Minister. Michal, of course, is Minister for Foreign Affairs. We were also contacted by Sinn Féin TD, Donnacha O'Leary, who said he would take up the case to see what he could, what could be done from his, his end of Leinster House. Andrew Chambers, you got a text message this morning. Good morning, sir. Good, good morning, Keith. Yeah, I got a text message this morning from... <clears throat> Simon Harris's parliamentary assistant to say that CN's visa had been issued, so they've put it in his passport and they've sent his passport back to Lau, um to him, so it should be back with him in a few days. So, <laughs> like, it, it just means I can book him a flight and he'll likely be here with me early next week. Um, oh, my God. Me, so. <laughs> it's just... Um, it's a good day today. That's that's what I'm going to say. And, and, and I know PJ said it on the text message to, to, to Fergus as well. I, I, I can't thank you both so much just for what you did last week and all the following up as well. You know, I know you spoke to Tunic and I emailed him last night as well. And he spoke to, I think, Martin Kenny is the Jim Fein, just the spokesperson. Well, they were going to chase up in it as well today. And Tunica spoke to Simon Harris in the doll chamber yesterday to remind him about my case as well. So I'm not too sure what strings were pulled or what happened as well. But today is a good day. It's a result. And 
you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm over the moon as well, and seeing it's just over the moon as well. It's it's fantastic. I'm so thrilled for you because you were so upset last week, and so you you were a, you were like a little lost puppy. You you had no idea where to turn. Like, uh, yeah, I was very upset and I didn't interview with you. It's very difficult to, I suppose, to pour my heart and soul out on, on the radios, but I was delighted for the opportunity. And then I felt I was making progress. And then the next day, I think, and there's a lull, what's going to happen now? So it's in ups and downs all last week. But like, I was just chatting to my friend Bill last night who came over to bring me over dinner last night. And kind of was feeling just a bit deflated, you know, and waiting to find out what's happening in his passport. It was in the embassy. I just got a taxi. The embassy was closed for the day. They didn't know what was happening, you know. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it can feel just a bit pointless some, some stages. Well, and then obviously, Martin Kenny's um, assistant reached out to me last night on the back of your you contacted him as well. So it kind of felt a bit more hopeful as well. And then just this morning, early in the morning, when I got that text, just just over the moon, uh, and I called Sean and told him as well. So he's he's finishing packing his bags. They've been half packed for months anyway. So um, the the, the, the passport is en route back to his house now. With the stamp yeah. in it, and it, is it a holiday yeah. visa he's got, Andrew? Or what's he got? It's a three-month holiday visa. Um, my understanding, the process, it's, it's it's a short stay visa up to three months. When he arrives in Dublin Airport, the border management unit will stamp something on his passport so he can stay for X amount of time. I think that's going to be three months. Right. But um, we'll look to extend that, and I've been talking to some people about that as well. And, and look, I'll just be quite blunt about it as well. Once he gets here, he's not going home. <laughs> There's absolutely no way I'm letting them go home. I'm just, I'm not, you know, you know, um, like, I know my situation is unique as well, but it, it shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't have to go on no. national radio and in the paper as well just to get some compassion for a visa. I, I'm so glad it's an issue today as well, but um, I wouldn't like anybody else to go through what myself and seeing and my family and friends have had to go through over the last, you know, number of months. Yeah. Well, 25th January, you spoke to me. <laughs> And this is the 1st of February. That's that's a turnaround. And we're so <laughs> happy that we were able to push a few buttons for you. Yeah, yeah and, I, I, and I said it again. I, I really just can't thank you enough. And, and I know you, you had me a bit on the slot. You had a bit on me about yesterday as well. So I just you've been pushing it the last couple of days as well. And, and lots of friends and family have been pushing it as well, actually. So I just like just... There's a load of people I need to thank, um, and I'm going to do it over the next couple of days. But I, uh, I just told my family this morning, I told Sian, uh, and I told a close group of friends, and I said I wanted you and yourself and Fergal to know um, soon, uh, as soon as possible as well, because you've just been you've just been amazing the last couple of days. That, that's wonderful, Andy. So thrilled. Now, there's an invitation <laughs> I issued to you that when, when you're here together, the two of you, uh, I would like you two to be sitting opposite me at some point. Yeah, we'd love to do that. Sitting opposite, we'll have a chat. Yeah, yeah, I know that we we would both love to do that. Yeah, Kate wants to be the first to congratulate him on the <laughs> wedding, which we're sure is being planned as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably next thing on the list. And I need to book him a flight, get him over here, right. book him in Dublin Airport, and then is it a rigmarole to get him here? Is it tough? He gets from Laos to where? Uh, um, I, well, I looked at flight. He'll probably cross the border into uh, there's a city about two hours away in Thailand that has better flight connections so and he'll fly from there to Bangkok and then probably Bangkok to London and then to Dublin so it's not exactly straightforward but look it's not it's a long flight it's 13 hours <clears throat> he's never done it like that before but um, but it's not particularly complicated you know once you're on the plane they'll they'll feed you and, and look after you and, and, until he gets there as well um, now it, it, even though you have a visa 
when you land in Dublin Airport, you go through immigration control. PG, you've probably seen as well. He showed me a passport and you walk through as well. Yes. If you don't, if you're not an Irish or an EU citizen as well, I mean, there's a there's a rigmarole to go through as well. You know, we have to bring all that documentation that we didn't we didn't have ready yet. Yeah. So and they can even refu- even if you have all that documentation, they can refuse you at border control. There. They can tell you no, they're not going to allow you into the country. So confirm with the Department of Justice that won't be the case. Okay. Um, there won't be a problem when he when he lands because he obviously won't have all that documentation. Um, so hopefully it'll be swift to get him off the plane and, and out uh, so we can give him a hug for uh, the first time in a couple of months. Oh my God. Well, look, you will you let us know when he's getting <laughs> we'll on the flight and we'll keep... Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm so delighted for you, Andrew. I really, really am. I really, really Thanks am. Thanks very much, this is Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much. And that invitation stands. Get down here to Cork and get in here to my studio. Will do. All okay. right. Cheers. See there you go. That's Andy Chambers. Uh, Cian's visa has been issued. His passport is on his way back to him with the visa in it. And Andy is going to book him a flight and get him home to Ireland, get him back, or get him over to Ireland um, for, for a holiday. But as he says himself, uh, that's it. He's here. Yeah, we... We're delighted with that. We did reach out on the day of the programme. We reached out to Simon Harris's office and to Micheál Martin's office. Donegal O'Leary contacted us. Uh, I have a very good um, contact in Martin Kenny's office. I popped a text message or two there and I think uh, Ingus Snuddig got involved as well following approach from Donegal O'Leary. So basically everyone has been pulling together. Kaz says, I'm just walking into the gym with this on my AirPods and I've had to go back and sit in the car to ball for a few minutes. So over the moon for Andrew and for Cian. Lads, if you ever have a day when you question why you get out of bed and go to work, it stays like this. This is why. You change lives every day. Don't ever forget that. Huge congratulations for job well done and huge congrats to Andrew and Cian. I couldn't be happier for them says Kaz. Well, well, neither could we, Kaz. Neither could we. And yes, you're right. Uh, there are days when just one call like that or one little text message makes it worth getting up at stupid o'clock to come in. Brilliant news. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 966 96 96. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Sarah says, guys, you've half a cork in floods. That's a beautiful end to this love story. Well, it's not over until he is here, but it's been a good day. It's been a good day for Andy and seeing, and we're so delighted to have played a small part in it. Take a bow, guys. Great bit of news to start off the month. It is, actually, yeah, first of the month. Great news to start off the month, says Kevin. Mary's crying too. It made her day. Yeah. I must say, I did a little fist bump myself when I got a text from Andy about a half an hour ago. And that's what I said to you about quarter to ten. I said, oh, look at this. And I couldn't tell you. I had to hang on. I had to hang on. Nearly bit my tongue off trying to hold on to it. 0818 96 96 96. Back to shopping local. And maybe we should all go back to it. You know, we all had to shop online and pivot, as they say, during lockdown. And then when lockdown ended and we could go back out again, some of us choose to do more of our shopping online because it's easier. But now shops are closing and maybe we should go back to spending our money in a local place. Mary, morning. Good morning. 
I was just um, ringing there about the bypass situation and I do feel that there are towns like, we all know, Middleton, Bandon, mm. Clonakilty. You know, they all have bypasses. And I don't think any of those towns would go back to being the way they were. Mm-hmm. If I go, if I actually go, I go past them more often than I go into them. But now when I do go into them, it's not because I have to. I tend to stop and shop. And, you know, sometimes it might be a bottle of lucasade or something in the shop or something mm. like that. But other times you have a bit of time. And the key to it is parking. Yes. That if you can actually just park, stop, have a walk around, there is absolutely no pleasure in stopping and trying to negotiate to a row of Arctic lorries. No, there isn't. And you're right, To go Mary. from one side of the shop, one side to the other. I went to Yall, say, since Christmas now. I've been to Yall. Yeah. And it was absolutely lovely. Like, we went, we did the boardwalk. Then we went into the town. Yeah. We walked into the town from there, had um, a look around, had a cup of coffee. There's loads of coffee shops after opening up there. And, you know, what really needs to happen now and I, and I is that people need to start come back living in the towns and because there's no, less traffic that is now a possibility yeah. again you're not going to move into a town if there's arctic lorries going past your door it's morning true. noon and night yeah. but they are lovely like you know that great house revival and we have all those programs that cheap ireland cheapest homes a load of those are actually in in towns like yeah. kind of thing in small towns and they are absolutely wonderful, like kind of thing. And then that leads to shop local. If you have people living, you're going to go to the shop two doors down from you if you have the option of doing yeah. that. And, you know, I suppose even in the city, you had streets like Barrick Street and all those that were residential streets yes. Yes. with shops. Yes. And that was really the essence of shop local. But like if you're two and a half kilometres out of a town, can't walk outside the door because there's no footpaths and there's no anything, you're far more likely, even if you are, I suppose, considered a resident of those towns, you're still, you, those people are actually the people who are far more likely to be doing their shopping online. That's true, that's true. Because they can't walk, you know, but mm. anyway, listen, I, uh, my point is that I don't think people have a need to fear bypasses. I think they're better. Now, the worst one in the world must be the Carrigaline one. Who thought it was a good idea to put one of the biggest schools in the country and a park and God knows what hanging off what's supposed to be a bypass to cross I, I haven't it's been on that yet, Mary. Me. Is, it, is it any No, the new, the new one is fine. The right. new one is much better. I'm talking about the old one. Oh, the old one. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a disaster. I mean, like, it is one of the worst traffic bottlenecks that you can ever go into and it's supposed to be a bypass but you know they need to I suppose mirror the ones that are successes and go. I would consider Bandon and Mallow and all, and they are really thriving towns yeah yeah and Clannacilty you mentioned I Clannacilty yeah my, my dentist is in Clannacilty it's, yes. it's, it's a long story he, he yeah. left he left he was in Black Rock and he left right. for Clannacilty and I got on so well with him I moved my, my right, <coughs> yes, that's fair enough. We've all done these <coughs> things like that. And I was dreading going down to Clon, thinking, where am I going now? Saturday morning for a filling, and I need to, I need to get parking. And yeah. I breezed in, I breezed yes. into Clon. Yes. Brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. You know, so we need to build on those success. And I, um, you know, Charleville is one of the. There's actually a couple of shops like I used to travel regularly to Limerick, and not 
not so but there's a couple of, I'd love to go in there and have a look around you know and you just wouldn't you because by the time you're stopped out of the car yeah. and your mindset has even changed you're focused on your destination I suppose like as well That's just right, get yes. me through this yeah. place and get me out you know but well, a good bypass has, has two purposes and, and it makes the inside of the little town or village more attractive and it makes it makes it easier to skirt around it then when you when you don't want to be in there Mary thank you for your call 0818 the bypass in Charleville, if you're ever looking for it, if you're in a hurry now, Charleville's a lovely town, great place to visit. But if you're in a hurry and you're going to say Limerick, when you're coming into Charleville, you will see a sign for the NCT. It's on the right-hand side of the road. You'll see an NCT sign. Whip away there to the right, carefully. It's a busy road. Whip away there to the right and then take the next left and you'll come down the back of Duns. Now, at the end of it, it's a little bit awkward, but if you play your cards right, you'll get out onto the Limerick Road. Not exactly a bypass, but it's a sneaky throughway at um, at, at Charleville, which I learned years and years ago, going up and down to Limerick for Munster matches. Um, and now the whole country knows about it, but there you go. Two, something new. Uh, Sarah, morning. Good morning, how are you? Good, you're in CUH. Uh, for the last 11 hours, yes. <laughs> Tell me what's happening. <laughs> well, um, basically, um, we went to a physiotherapist there last night uh, just for a consultation. And um, during the consultation, the physio basically told us that um, he'd be happier if we came up to A&E. Okay. So basically, we just left straight away, came up to CUH, and we got here at quarter past 11 last night. Okay. okay. We are still here, and there are 16 people still in front of them. Good. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And there are people here from yesterday during the day and morning. And has he been seen by a triage nurse or anything? Yeah, triage nurse at about quarter past two this morning. 
Okay. And do you mind me telling? Mind me asking you what's up with him? Um, so he's got sciatica, but the last couple of weeks it's been completely debilitating. It's a sore bloody thing. That's a yeah. very sore thing. Yeah. So he's finding no comfort uh, from tablets or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I got him finally into a physiotherapist, but he wasn't happy at all. Yeah. So that's why we made the move to come yeah. up here. Some, but sometimes, sometimes sciatica can turn nasty, and it needs to be treated with something more aggressive than than physiotherapy. And that's probably what he wants. Now, are you at least able to get in and sit with him? No, I can't go near him. I haven't seen him in eleven hours. Crikey! I've been sitting in the car all that time. Why? Why can't you go in with him? Well. I do understand. I mean, COVID and everything like that, but... COVID? Well, yeah, that that's kind of... Anybody that comes to CUH, if they're coming with their partners or anybody, basically it's only the patient that yeah. is allowed in. Right. And as of how long ago, there's 16 people in front of him? Uh, about an hour ago. Oh God! You see what what's happened now. You see, is he's been. I mean, we had Doctor was it Doctor Sarah on here a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago. Doctor Lisa, explaining the whole triage system. It's an international system, and yeah. it's, it's a grading system. And he's been put onto the grade where he needs to be seen. He is in pain. He needs to be seen. He needs help, but he's not deemed as. An emergency. Oh, 100%. And, and yeah. Has he had anything for pain? Have they given him anything? Um, they have offered, but uh, he's too stubborn now at the moment. He just wants to wait. Um, because of the amount of tablets he's been prescribed, um, he just wants to wait and speak to a doctor. Yeah. yeah. But, like, even food or anything like that, I mean, um, he got a cross on this morning. Like in eleven hours. Yeah, because yeah. another thing he'd be half afraid of, and that's why, you know, if you can't, you you not being able to be in there, you know, you always went in with someone if they were there, you could nip in and get them a sandwich or something. Exactly. Else. You know, exactly. You, the, the the worst dread is that you'll go off to get a coffee and a sandwich, and your name will be called, and you go, oh no, oh no, a hundred percent, yeah, yeah. But don't get me wrong, like the staff are fantastic. They're doing what they can do yes, yes, with yeah. the numbers that they have. But, I mean, it's just appalling. They need so much help. I, I remember I was saying this a few weeks ago, Sarah. I remember going out there myself. It's a few years ago. I had a fall uh, outside home and, and I knew I needed to be seen. I was in pain. I didn't think I'd done any great damage because I could walk. And the nurse, it was six o'clock on Saturday evening, and the nurse brought me in and sat me down and examined me and gave me two paracetamol. Uh, yeah. And she said, look, you're going to be seen. You do need an X-ray. I'm fairly sure you're all right, but you're, have you got a book with you? You're going to be waiting. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, and because I was low, I was I was low low priority on the triage, and I was there till God Almighty, three o'clock in the morning. Do you know? That's just it. But like in my circumstances, like when you see elderly couples coming in and everything like that, and one of them are sent away. Yeah, that's and, hard. That's very hard. Yeah, and they're kind of left in limbo. Like, do do I go or... Like, we're from Lismore now, so do I tear down the road 
only to get a phone call, come back up and collect me. Like, you, you, you're just left in limbo. Now, there's another thing. I mean, you're from County Waterford. Yeah. And you're in CUH. Yeah. The physio sent you there. Yeah. I note that Dublin, Waterford Hospital doesn't have any queuing issues with, with their ED. And I know that they, they couldn't have sent you to Waterford, could they? Oh, my God. They said the absolute opposite. Don't tell me that. <laughs> well, but no, because Waterford, Waterford Hospital has been hitting the headlines of late because they don't have big, long queues. Uh, if he's listening, I can see him getting up now and coming back out. And I know, I know, no, I'm just saying, Sarah, because I, if, if I've read it in one paper and seen it in one news bulletin, uh, and, and my old pal, my old pal Damien Tiernan does the talk show down there on, on, on Waterford Local Radio, and their ED down there seems to be one of the least crowded in the country. Oh, my God. What's, what's, your, what's your partner's name? Um, Mike. Mike, don't, 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 don't hurt the back now. Hold your position in the queue. If you're listening, hold your position in the queue. Because by the time you get to Waterford, they'll have called you anyway. Oh, here's hoping. <laughs> Listen, I, I wish him well. I wish him well and I wish you well. Thanks very much. Cheers, thanks. That's Sarah. Waiting since late last night at CUH for her partner, Mike, whose sciatica has flared up. He's a farmer. Farmer with sciatica in February, not a good combination. He's in a lot of pain and he's sick of taking medication, wants to see a doctor. A physiotherapist told him he should probably see a doctor. He's sitting there since last night. He has been triaged. Uh, not particularly high priority because of the nature of what he's going through. It's bad for him, but it's not high priority. And they're sitting there since last night. And uh, Sarah, who is his partner, is having to sit in the car park because COVID means she can't go in. Which makes it harder if he wants to go and get a sandwich, a cup of tea, whatever. He can't because he loses place in the queue. And you know how that happens. So he sits there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really, I'm sorry. He sits there and he lingers. And lingers and lingers. In case you missed it, someone who's not lingering anymore, lingering in Laos, waiting to be here with his partner Andy is seeing. You'll remember uh, Andy was on last week with me very upset, very emotional, trying to get his partner seeing a visa to be here with him while he deals with or tries to deal with uh, motor neuron disease. Well the story took a new twist this morning. We broke it there just after 10 o'clock just to remind you again and to through the interventions of the opinion line because we pushed every button we possibly could push to try and get it sorted. Uh, Cian's visa is stamped in his passport and his passport is on his way home to him and Andy will be booking him a flight and he hopes to be here next week so we've had a win this morning a very very big win uh, for an Opinion 9 listener who contacted us last week where we made contact with him while he was visiting Cork and we had a good chat with him to his first radio interview he's done some since but he came back to us this morning with the news that the visa has been sorted in about a week from uh, when he came to appeal, which is fabulous. 0818 96 96 96. We'll, we'll podcast all that later anyway, so you can hear it again. 
We've just wrapped up Live Free in 23. Oh my God, I'm now we're sending you to see. We're sending you to see. A homegrown superstar. Live. Grab your passport and get ready to play. 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 Because we'll reveal all very soon. On Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM. Now, you'll have heard the sad news in the last few days of the passing of Gareth Blunt. He was a very popular basketball player from Cork and he passed away from cancer in the last few days. We spoke to his brother Jordan before Christmas. They were trying to find alternative therapies and they were running a GoFundMe and there was a huge outpouring of love for the chap. They raised a ton of money on that GoFundMe to to help with the situation. Um, now, the funeral took place, I think it was yesterday. Shauna, you knew, you knew Gareth um, and there was a great turnout at the funeral. First of all, sorry for the loss of your friend. Good morning. Good morning. You knew him well? Yeah, I know him well. Okay. You put up a little video um, of the balloons and stuff. Tell me tell me about your memories of, of Gareth. I just know him all my life. I grew up with him. He was a lovely, lovely boy. He yeah. was so bright and always had a smile on his face. Yeah. Um, he was so nice to everyone and anywhere he went, he always made friends. Yeah. And it was you organised the balloon release, was it? Yeah. Yeah. 200 people, did you expect that? No, I didn't really. I just knew that there was going to be a good outcome because he was so popular and everyone knew him. Mm. Yeah, the, the the basketball community, I know, turned out in in big numbers at the church. I know that church fairly well. It was it was busy. Yeah, it was it was packed. He really was a a lovely. I mean, I spoke to his to his brother before Christmas. He was telling me about the growing up in Cork and the playing the game of basketball and how much they loved it and all that. There was there was two hundred people turned up with the balloons. That was incredible, though. Where, where did you do that release? Um, down in the basketball court in Mangerton Close. It was around the corner from his house. Okay. He used to teach kids down there, so that's why I just thought it'd be nice to do it there. That was a good place to do it, actually. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that that basketball court actually down there. It didn't know it. He used to he used to teach the, the the lads how to shoot hoops and stuff down there. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of used to do it in the summertime as well. He used to get like you know kids come over and because he was so popular, kids loved him and yeah. he used to teach them and show them how to do it and stuff and whatever. And yeah, it was a real kind of a American television show feel to that, isn't there? Kind of you know the. The basketball court, the local lads turn up, and the local basketball star is showing how to shoot a hoop and, <laughs> yeah. and dodge and take a bounce and stuff like that. The funeral then was, I mean, that's a big church, Dublin Hill. Yeah. Packed, was it? Oh, it was amazing. It was, the outcome was just unbelievable. Yeah. There were so many people, and it just showed how much Garrett was really loved by so many people. Yeah. What was, what was so lovable about him to have him as a friend? He was just so outgoing and, like, anywhere he went, he always made friends. He always had a smile on his face. Yeah. Even he when was he was always... sick. Yeah. Sorry? Even when he was sick, he was smiling, was what his brother yeah, said. Yeah, he never, ever showed anyone how much pain he was in because he always had a smile on his face. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Shauna, I know that you and many others like you are are really reeling from his death, even though it, it, it kind of everyone knew it was coming. But it's it's never easy when it does, and such a young lad, such a such a such a loss, such a desperate loss at such a young age. Thank you very much, Shauna, and again, sorry for your loss, and to, to everyone who turned up for the balloon release. Uh, it was uh, lovely to see that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six to something else entirely. Dermot, where have you seen this? A queue for food? Where? Morning. Uh, Lower Oliver Plunkett Street. Oh, oh, the food. Um, feed Cork. I've I've never seen anything like it in my life. Describe for me what you saw. I'm absolutely ashamed to be Irish. Okay. A queue of people about at least 25 deep. Do you know 25 in the line? Yeah, of course it's Wednesday. Wednesday is when they do their their free shop. Is what it is basically. You can just go in and get your your stuff and go. I actually physically had to get out of my car and I got sick. Did you, Dermot? Yeah. Unbelievable! What what are the what are the the government doing or TDs or anybody? Mm. What are they doing about this? Like, yeah. You have people starving on the street. Mm. That's basically what it's by Lota. And and as we often talk to Sharon from Feed Cork, I know her very well, everybody's coming in their door. It's not just people who are homeless. It's not just people who are sleeping out. It's 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 business people, people with jobs, families, do you know? It's it's pathetic, like. It really is pathetic. And that's my only and you you blame you blame the politicians, do you? Oh, the whole lot of them. Politicians, TDs, the whole lot. What are they doing? Where are they? And what are they doing? Mm. What, what do you think they could do to solve the problem we've just witnessed this morning? Uh, to be honest, I... I, I would just say that give somebody else a chance and I'm not politically minded but it's sickening to see it you see it's it as a failure you see it as a, you said you're ashamed to be Irish yeah oh absolutely ashamed I oh my god I said this is horrific like. yeah yeah this wouldn't happen back in the famine mm, yeah the penny dinners have a queue every day. It is getting to a point now where we've got more and more people relying on on community food sources, soup kitchens. But you see, the point is you shouldn't have people relying on that. Yeah. So basically they're doing nothing in Dublin. They're doing nothing anywhere. Yeah. No, I can't argue with a word you say because, as I, as I say to you, I know Sharon, who's one of the volunteers in there, I know her very well, and she's on the programme with me from time to time, and she said to you, it's unbelievable what's coming in there. People, people with jobs, people with businesses who just cannot make ends meet through energy prices, through all these things. Yeah, but if you emphasise the word... It's horrific. 
Yes. Disgusting. How a human being has to do that. You There's say, no words you, you, you say. There's no words you can really say, like. You say you almost felt physically sick. I did get physically sick. And there's nobody seems to be doing anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. Yeah. They're just putting pillar to post. That's all they're doing. There's one of them handing it over to the other, and it's, it's, it's horrific, like. It's just, oh. Words can't, can't even describe it. And that's beyond PJ, I swear to God. No, Dermot, thank you very much for, for your call. I think you you echo the feelings of a lot of people, but you had the wherewithal and the courage to pick up the phone, and I appreciate that. That's Dermot. He was down lower Altplunk Street, down where Feed Cork do their, they do their session on a Wednesday. I think it's 10 till 2 or that way. They do it on a Wednesday, and there was a queue out the back of Feed Cork, out around the corner, and Dermot said he was so disgusted and horrified by what he saw, the idea of people queuing for food in 2023, that he got out of his car and he got physically sick. He said no one should have to go through this in 2023. And it's hard to disagree with the man when you do realise we are a wealthy country. And as John Lowe was saying to me yesterday, the money doctor, we are a wealthy country. We have a healthy economy. We have a surplus, financial surplus, in the middle of all of this mess. And yet, people are queuing up for the help of Feed Cork. They're queuing up for the help of Petting Dinners. They're queuing up for the help of the Vincent de Paul. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your thoughts are welcome at 0818969696. Now, yesterday we were chatting about passports, and I opened up the, the hour, first hour, by just mentioning a tweet I had seen from Paul Quinn, one of the journalists at Virgin Media, who said that he applied for his passport on Friday and paid his money, clicked his mouse, and he got his passport on the mat in the post on Monday and he couldn't believe it and we got quite a few calls in and quite a few texts to say actually yes the online passport system is working really really well it's a bit slower if you've got children's passport and stuff to apply for but uh, Fine Gael councillor Jack White joins me Jack morning Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Now, interesting you should mention it because I got a personal message to my Facebook last night from uh, the pharmacist's breeder there in Carrigaline, just there on the bridge, and I, I know the place very well. And she yeah. was explaining how, how stuff gets worked out. It really is working well, Jack, at the moment. Really, really is, absolutely. PJ, I'd have a similar experience to that you just mentioned there. I would have applied last Monday evening and it arrived in my post on Thursday morning that's using the passport online service and and I'll be honest I hadn't like a lot of people hadn't renewed in 10 years obviously uh, my passport was just coming to be expiring and it was a pleasant surprise to say yes 
the actual experience of using the Passport Online service and then receiving it just a couple of days later was absolutely fantastic. And look, I think we're so much wrong at times, or so much wrong. It's well, about, well, I've but, just been talking you know, to Dermot, uh, and I don't know if yeah. you heard it while you were waiting. Yeah. You know, we, we, we can get a passport in three days, but we also have people queuing up for food on a Wednesday morning oh, yeah. in January or February, you know? No, absolutely. And look, that's shocking. I mean, I caught the tail end of that there. And I mean, there's no doubt people people are, are in very, very serious situations and much more pressing situations. Uh, you know, they're looking for a passport and I do realise it's often it's first world problems, but but like you're right, what's being talked about there is harrowing and I mean, look, a huge tribute and, 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 and credit is due to the likes of the organisations you mentioned there who are stepping into the breach night after night and, and, and giving people assistance on the front line. Yeah. St. Vincent Paul and so on like that, you know, so the huge credit is due to them, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but things but, uh, are... I, I was saying yesterday, Jack, and I'm sure you'd, you'd share this sentiment with me, that if you are applying for a passport, no matter how well it's working, like, don't, 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 if the passport is going to be running out in June and you're going on holidays in July, now is the time. Now is the time, absolutely. Now is the time to give yourself time and now is the time because those, I think, working in the passport system know, right, look, we have to try and get people uh, help, you know, help out now. We have to try and get passports processed now. So you're right, that's good advice. And look, you mentioned Breda there in Walsh's Pharmacy on the bridge in Cardline. I mean, she is doing phenomenal work. She's helping people out in terms of filling out forms, giving them information, doing the photographs, giving them advice and a steer. And she mentioned to me, and, and that's where I went to get my digital photos done, she mentioned to me she's actually encountering some people, maybe elderly people or people who wouldn't be as used to computers or IT, and she's giving them advice and giving them a help. So look, she is absolutely phenomenal. You know her, PJ, you know the pharmacy. She's she's a, a hero down our neck of the woods, and mm-hmm. she, she really helps people out. She goes above and beyond. She's huge credit due to her. Yeah, I lived in Carrick Lane for 10 years, and I know that pharmacy well. Thank you, Jack. That's been a Gill councillor, Jack White. Yeah, Breda did message me last evening, going through a few of the things that were coming up. Um, she, so with regard to the passport photos, uh, the photo gives a code to use online. That photo is a tenor. And she can't give you that photo unless it's approved in her process. So she gets three green lights on the machine she uses to take your photo before she can get a code for you. So when she takes the picture, this is what you're paying for, your tenor. She takes the picture for you and it's got to get three green lights, a bit like three spins of the wheel of Marty Whelan. It's got to get three green lights and then she can issue it to you and issue the code. And then when you're applying online, then it's all tickety-boo. You put the number in and the rest is is works. You can apply online now from once a child is born, um, from for a renewal, from changing your name if you get married. Child first-time passports are taking about six to eight weeks at the moment. Last year, they were taking 16 to 18. According to Breda, they're taking six to eight now. Renewals, you have to download a form and have it signed by a school secretary. And first-time passports for children have to get the Garda to sign the form. And if anybody needs help, uh, she'll be quite happy to assist them. Also, one thing she said, and this is a good tip is if you are dealing electronically with the passport office, watch the spam folder in your email. Because 
email security being what it is in 2023, sometimes stuff gets bounced into the spam folder. That actually happened with me last week with a place I was trying to book, trying to book a weekend away around St. Patrick's Day and I was looking to contact the place and the reply got bounced into spam. So it does happen. But you should watch that because if the passport office get on to you needing information and you don't answer the email within seven days, there's a possibility they will cancel your application. So all those things to be very conscious of. But it is working and working well. Tom in Blackpool was listening to Dermot, who rang up about the food bank, about the Feed Cork operation. He said, I'm listening to the man talking about food queues. I agree totally. But I know that at the end of the day, everyone will vote for the same old gang, even as they vote for themselves to get more pay increases and they watch those very same queues. Yeah. Truth of it is, if there was a general election in the morning, and I'm not saying there will be, and I'm not saying I want one. God, I don't want the mental strain of a general election. But um, if there was a general election in the morning, the opinion polls will tell you that the numbers would be probably even more confusing at the end of an election than they were in 2020. That's that's true, Tom. On Andrew and Sian's wonderful news, Hayden and Benny... And all the team at the village dry cleaners in Blarney were on the phone. Uh, They're saying that maybe some of the family will need cleaning and pressing for the wedding, dresses and suits and stuff. We'd be so delighted to do that. It's a beautiful thing that just happened and it made our morning. Thank you so much, guys, for that and for the response to the little bit of success um, for seeing and for um, for Andy, it makes a, it means an awful lot to them, and it means a great deal to us to have been able to play even a very small part in it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM. Yeah, talking before the news about uh, passports and the renewal of passports and how quickly they can be done electronically and all of that. You're going to need your passport. So if it needs renewal, and you might need it soon I would be renewing it now before you take part in our next big giveaway here at Cork's 96 FM we've just wrapped up Live Free in 23 that's just done and dusted our next big giveaway is a homegrown superstar a homegrown superstar live in concert with a lot more besides for you but you're going to need your passport you're going, what are we doing? Where are we sending you? Who are we sending you to see? Can't tell you that. Not allowed to tell you that. Not even allowed to know it myself yet. But more details coming very soon on Cork's 96 FM. 0818 96 96 96. Today is St. Bridget's Day, the 1st of February. No, it is not the 1st of spring. Don't argue with me. I'm right. I am. Science and meteorology says I'm right. Folklore says it's the 1st of spring. No. First of spring is the first of March, but happy St. Bridget's Day. And we have a Bridget coming to talk to us in a little bit of a little while. But on the subject of businesses and how tough it is 
in business. Now, there is one thing you cannot do online. With the best will in the world, you can't get your hair done online. But yet, hairdressers are struggling. Joe from Joseph's Hairdressers. How are you, mate? Good morning, PJ. Happy St. Bridget's Day. And to you, sir. And to you. I hope she, hope she helps us out for the year now ahead. You can't get your hair done online, but you're still struggling out there. We are, yeah. Up most hairdressers are at the moment, um, PJ. And I especially think the ones out further, a little bit the smaller community salons, you know what I mean? The, the, the smaller ones that the client comes in, gets her hair done, might go across the flannels, have a cup of coffee and a scone. Yeah. It's a whole cycle. And I think that's suffering now at the moment for us and for for others, you know what I mean? Because if you go to a little village and you go and get your hair done, you make it an event. Yes. And now people are obviously, you know, we have to put up our prices a wee bit because everything has gone up. The bass is going to go up, which was very disappointing. BJ, very, very disappointing. Yeah, that, that 9%, they're determined now to shove it back up to 13 despite your sector and other sectors begging them to keep it down. Yeah. And I can't understand it. Like, I mean, why? Because there's people going to lose jobs. You know, we're, we're applying people. We're we're buying product. We're helping the community as well. You know what I mean? And it's 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 a disaster, really, because our product has gone up as well since the first of February. Like all our colours, shampoos, and hair space, all that's gone up as well. PJ, so there's lots, you know. And, yeah. It's a lot to contend with going in, into the new year. And the cost of electric in a, in a salon, dryers and, and other oh, yeah, low heaters and all that, very much so. Very much so. Everything everything literally has gone up. Yeah. Every single thing that we do now, if you come into the salon now and you get a shampoo, everything has gone up. You were saying to the lads that and two it, salons you know have closed since Christmas. Yeah. Okay. They kept going until Christmas Eve and they're gone now. Yeah. And that's only two now I know that would be quite close to me. So, like, I'd be sure there's a lot more aside. And I get a lot of phone calls or texts from salons, are you busy? Or, you know, mm. even the reps that come into me would say, she's just dead around now. Yeah. And, and are you busy, of, Joe? Are you holding up? I'm holding up, PJ, because, you know, something, I own the building. So yeah. that makes an awful difference. You know, if I was paying rent now, I don't think I could do it. Yes. And I have a great... Um, Loyalty clientele, you know what I mean? And it's a small salon, so we keep it going nicely. But yeah. it is it is a worry. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm so surprised that they're not seeing it. You, like, know, they, you know, a little bit of common sense. Why no, your electricity, you say, compared to last year? Doubled, trebled? Um, doubled. Right. Doubled. And um, when we went through and I down myself the other day, and it was actually after double. Yeah. And of course, it's been cold mornings and things like that, so you'd have the blow heaters and everything on. Yeah. There's only so much hot air I can give, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, PJ, yeah, it is. And on a serious note, though, I can't understand yeah. it. Why, you know, common sense. We keep, yeah. You know, yeah. we employ people. They yeah. come in, they spend money, we buy product, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And every, everyone so, going through there is paying VAT. It's all paying in. And if the busier you are, the more VAT is coming out of the salon. Oh, totally, actually. We close now and choose. You're only open four days a week. Really? Yeah, and keep it tight now. Even 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 to be busy and take on staff, I wouldn't dream of it now at the moment. Yeah. We have a nice clientele and a nice staff, and leave it at that. Keep and, it tight. And when you when you hear a, a government representative or minister, be they Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Greens, whomever, saying we simply have to keep our tax system going, and you got a nice little nice little rest from the VAT for the last couple of years at 9% and now every good thing must come to an end what, what do you what do you think when you hear them saying that 
Well, I think everything good thing must come in, but at the same time, we've we've kept the economy going. Yes. What have we not done? We, you know, we've employed people. We've kept things going. It's it's. I don't know, PJ. You know, I I can't understand it for the life of me. I think it's it's a stupid decision, and I think. They are still arguing about it. They haven't actually said, but Eamon Ryan seems to be the stumbling block. Mm. He's determined to put them back up. Yeah, but you know, walk in my shoes, Eamon Ryan need to need to see what it's like to run a small business. To worry every night about will the next day be busy? Will we fulfil our commitments to our clients? Will we pay our stock bill? You know what I mean? Our electricity it isn't just getting your hair cut. Or oh, the minute before you open that door of the salon. Mm. What goes out before anybody comes in is unbelievable. Yes. You've got to cut a lot of hair to pay you on that lot. You have public liability, you have insurance, electricity, you have stock, you have that, you have tax. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a small business and I think why why punish us? Why not just let us go the way we are for another while? We cover because COVID is still there, PJ. Yes, true. And a lot of your clients are, are in, elderly, yeah. so they, they, they're, they're afraid of COVID. They won't go outside the door if there's so much of a snuffle. Yeah, and the cost of living crisis hitting our customers as well. And even though, you know, you might have an older clientele, for someone, they're helping out their kids and their grandkids. Joe, you, you always make a very good case. That 9% VAT rate has kept a lot of people in work for the last couple of years and, and it seems to be a determination I think it's Eamon Ryan I don't know maybe there's an, maybe maybe it's not Eamon Ryan but Eamon Ryan's getting the, getting the blame for it anyway uh, the determination that they have to go back up to 13% uh, thanks Joe now um, I was only saying this morning the number of people called Bridget these days uh, it's very low. I'll, I'll give you more of those numbers in a little while because it's interesting. But today is St. Bridget's Day and appropriately we should be contacted by Bridget Ann. Thank you. Thank you, first of all, for the new bank holiday on Monday. No Bridget. problem at all. I'm delighted. <laughs> what, what happened, Bridget? No, it was last Thursday in yeah. Blackpool. Yeah. And my neighbour's little girl had a little episode which she needed help with. Okay. Okay. So if there was, I think, three ladies that helped her very well. What happened and also, to her, Bridget? What happened to her? It, I, I can't really go into it. Okay. All, I, all I know is that my neighbour needed help with okay. the little girl. Okay. So there were two gentlemen, she said, that were very good, that stopped actually in the traffic, got out of the car and came and helped her as well. Okay. Now, oh. there was one man that put a blanket over her because she was on the ground. And I don't think we can ever thank them so much for all the help that they gave my neighbour. How old is this girl? Well, Ellie, she's 21. Okay. She's special needs little girl. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. She had a moment, shall we say. Yeah, she had a moment. So it was so lovely that so many people were there to help her because her mother wouldn't be able to cope on her own. No, no, no. I know, and I know, I know... But I, thankfully, it doesn't happen in our house. But I know what that's like if you have a young adult with special needs and they have yeah, a moment. Yeah, it can be, yeah. it can be a lot to deal with. It can be draining, exhausting. So it the is two very, it's very hard. But about what time of the day was this, Bridget? Um, it wasn't late. I think it's about maybe half past three. I don't know. It was in the afternoon, anyway. On Thursday. On th- last Thursday. Near Costa. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they looked after them. That is fantastic. Right. That's fabulous. There's a lot it's, of kindness still out there, you know. 
Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it when she said it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant for her to get the help. Yeah. How, how is she now? How is the young Just to lady? let them know. That's why I'm ringing there now. It's just to let them know that she's doing very well. Good. And she's been well looked after in the Mercy Hospital. They are fantastic to her. Very good. Very yeah. So it's just to thank those people. That's fantastic. From the bottom of our hearts. And that's all I can say. Thank you, and you've said it so well. Bridget Ann, thank you. Uh, Bridget on St. Bridget's Day, which is nice. And that was a a lovely thing. Someone got out of his car and actually gave a a blanket or a rug to the uh, young person. Um, And that's a very distressing situation. I kind of understand where you're coming from there. Looking at the name Bridget, or Bridget, or Bridget, or Breda, or Breed, or anything like that, um, the bank holiday, of course, is on Monday, first ever. First ever bank holiday named after a woman in this country. Uh, 1965 was the peak for Bridget's. Uh, between 2018 and 2020, according to the Central Statistics Office, only 11 girls in the country were called Bridget. Uh, there were fewer than three in 2021. Now, Bridget is a bit more popular. There were 23 Bridgets born in 2020. That's Bridget with a T. In 2021, there were 20 Bridgets. There was 595 of them in 1964. The Bridgets are sort of dropping out of the popularity chart. Uh, Breed, yeah, poor old Breed isn't, isn't, isn't really doing too well. There were only six breeds born in 1964. And since 1982, since 1982, and breed spelled B-R-I-G-H-I-D, the old Irish spelling of breed, since 1982, there's been no year in which there have been more than three breeds born. So the name isn't as popular as it once was, but on today, the feast day of St. Bridget, it was good to have a Bridget on the opinion line. 0818 96 96 96. There's a change coming in registration of childcare. And as always, we kind of need it explained to us. It's a good thing and not a good thing all at once. Go there next. Corks 96 FM has just turned one loyal listener into a massive winner. Live free in 23. Oh my God! With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Spending money, money. Hello? Kelly? Yes? It's you. going to make a big difference to you this year? Oh, huge. I had a baby last year, so she's nine months. All right. So it'll be nice to try and take her away, maybe. Brilliant. holiday. Yeah. yeah. Kelly Ahern from oh Carrigaline, you have just won Live Free in 23. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Spending money, money. Now, your next big way to win is coming. We're sending you to see a homegrown superstar for free. Grab your passport and get ready to play. Only on Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM. Now, childcare is always a sensitive subject, not only through the cost of it, but it's becoming more and more regulated. Rightly so, you might say, because you don't want any randomer minding your precious children but the more you regulate something the harder it becomes to do 
simple things that we all did. But the Minister for Children or as I prefer to call him, the Minister for whatever you have in yourself, Rodrigo Gorman, has received Cabinet approval for proposals that will change the legal status of childminders. That would make possible the future regulation of childminders and allow parents who use them to access the National Child Care Scheme. That's funding that's available to help to pay for childminding services. Uh, it's what he wants to put on the table. It's regulation. Regulation is, it comes with all these things. If there's money involved or funding involved, there's bound to be regulation involved. Anne Ryan from Anne Ryan Childcare Services. Good morning. Good morning to you. So, so what is it the minister wants to do? Does he want to have everybody who comes into your house to mind your children registered with Tusla? Uh, well, basically what they're looking at doing is currently... If you're childminding, uh, which is classed as childminding in your own house, so not going off to somebody else's house to work, if you're minding children in your own home as a self-employed person, that you can currently only register with TUSLA if you have four children that you mind or more, four preschool children right. or more. Right. So the legislation currently states if you're minding one, two or three children, you can't register with TUSLA. So there's a big black hole of childminders, some of whom would like to register with Tusla and kind of offer the National Child Care Scheme, which is... And, and yes, what are the advantages but, then? So if you take four children into your house, you can avail of the scheme if you, through Tusla. If you take three, you can't. So what's the difference between yeah. the two situations? Well, the legislation just now, or it was up until yesterday, currently states that literally if you have one, two or three children, you cannot register with Tusla. Unless you're registered with TUSLA, you can't offer the National Child Care Scheme. So I don't know how many childminders there is in Ireland. I think 15,000 was what they were saying yesterday who are not registered with TUSLA. So they cannot offer the parents a National Child Care Scheme. I think there's approximately 64 TUSLA registered childminders in the whole of Ireland currently. Not right. very many. So we're able to offer the National Child Care Scheme to those parents. And how does that work for so, you then? How does it work for the parent? Um, well, basically, I registered with Tusla in 2019. Um, I decided I was already childminding. I've been childminding since 2008, uh, but I always minded only up to three children. I had my own young children at the time. As my own kids got older, I decided I wanted to kind of make it a bit more of a business. I enjoyed doing what I was doing. So I registered with Tusla so I could take the fourth and fifth minded child in at one time. Mm -hmm. So registering took a while for me I, I did it in 2019 it took me about seven months to actually register and there was lots of tick boxes filling in like you had policies procedures make sure you have your fire extinguishers smoke alarms things like that mm. um it was quite a lot of work um but once you're actually registered i find personally i find it's not too bad once you're registered and you kind of get things up and running it's fine and, and then for parents the then sorry to go across you and for parents then who would avail of your service what advantage is there for them well now that i'm too so registered i can offer them the national child care scheme which is obviously i think i have seven out of nine parents who um use the scheme um which is great for them because it means that they're getting subsidies towards their child care so it's decreasing the cost for the parents I see. And this new change now bringing it down to being able to register if you're only taking in three, do you see that as a good or a bad thing? Uh, personally, I'm not against regulations of some sort. Uh, I 
personally think that anybody who's being paid to look after any children should have minimal standards of, like, say, child protection, first aid training, insurance. Everybody should have that. I'm not against that at all. Um, what I do find hard is that the regulations that they have currently uh, for childminders are preschool centre-based regulations that we just have to try and fit into. Right. So they need to change those regulations, which I know is on the table coming in the next year or so, is something that they're looking at changing to make it easier for childminders to basically uh, become registered with Tusla. Is, is, this so going to, is this going to mean, Anne, that, and just a, a personal opinion rather than what you know of the legislation, is this going to mean that, if you like, what we might call casual childminding, will soon be a thing of the past. And what I mean by that is that, you know, Mammy goes to work and Mrs. O'Sullivan next door is is retired and she takes the kids for the few hours while Mammy goes to work and Mammy gives her a couple of quid on Friday and it's it's quite happy and there's hundreds of parents doing it up and down the country. Is is this gonna regulate or attempt to regulate Mrs. O'Sullivan out of business? Uh, I, well, I wouldn't say out of business because what they say is that it's going to become easier to be TUSLA registered and there's going to be kind of less, the, the regulations are going to be more suited for childminding rather yeah. than a preschool setting. So I know in the long run, and uh, I know like so many people who do do childminded who are not registered or any, in any way, shape or form, who do do it just like that, they've just kind of fallen into the job, that it might seem like that to them, that the government are going to come in and steamroll them out of existence mm. but at the same time my view is as well that you have to look at the child the best interest of the child what is the best interest of the child like mm. you don't know if your neighbor three doors down who has been looking after kids for 30 years is actually the person that she makes out she is do you know it's hard to know these things and i'm not saying that's going to be perfectly amazing that every person who registered with Tusla is going to be like mary poppins okay <laughs> it's not mm. obviously it's not going to be like that either but it's in my view, you have to look at what's best for the child. I would not personally leave my children for childminding in a home where I knew the person hadn't been guard vetted or they weren't first aid trained. So these are important things to me. Now, some of the things that Tusla asked for, like they asked for uh, cupboard locks in your kitchen. To me, that is not an essential thing to be able to look after a child. Yeah, You don't need to have cupboard locks in your kitchen, things like that. So it's make, having a balance between trying not to push out all the childminders who are just the mummy helping out down the road mm. and also the ones who do want to turn it into a bit more of a business that they're not making it so regimented that their home is not a home anymore. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's coming now, according to Minister O'Gorman. Yes. All right. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> Basically, it's coming. The, the Child Mind and Action Plan was put in place a couple of years ago and it basically sets out the steps of what they were looking at to regulate child, the childminding sector. Now, I understand as well that a big thing for Roderick O'Gorman is the national childcare scheme and reducing costs for parents. And I know that's in the news all the time between creches and increases and all this type of thing, um, which I, I don't think these things are a bad thing. I think it's just that the way that they go around doing them has to be done in a good way. And currently, the way that they're doing it, they say they're consulting with childminders about the process. Now, I'm a TUSLA registered childminder. I'm registered with Childmind in Ireland. I'm registered with my local county childcare committee. 
And I've heard of very few people who have actually been insulted in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Now you said as well, there's only about 60, 65 of you. There's, yeah. there's an awful lot more children out there than 65 <laughs> of you can mind. Yeah, exactly. And like that, I've said that before, if there's 64 or 65 of us who are TUSLA registered, we're not hard to find. There's not thousands of us that they need to talk to. That's right. But we're the ones who are working on the ground. And I know Childmind in Ireland has 700 members and there's a, they have their own private forum. And there's very few members on that forum who have ever been contacted to ask their opinion about the regulations uh, and uh, whatever's coming isn't, down the isn't line. Isn't that always the way it is in this country? And, you know, there's a saying in advocacy, and you may or may not have come across it, there's a saying in advocacy, nothing about us without us. But sure, they've yeah. made all these decisions about you and about people who want yeah. to aspire to take up your line of work without talking to you. That's that's nothing yeah. new, really, to be fair. And that's what's put, that's what's putting a lot of people off. I know from looking at the forum for the Child Mind in Ireland have, there's a lot of conversations, obviously, about it. And there's people who are already saying, OK, I'm jumping ship at Christmas time, like we're giving up because I don't want to be over-regulated. It's not what I signed up for. Child minding is a home environment. It's their, the childminder's home. The kids come into our home. We treat them like our own children. It's not a creche. It's not a big multi, uh, multinational business. Do you know, we're small individuals mm. who work on our own. And when you do over-regulate and there's so many things going on, you have to have all your policies, your procedures and all these types of things, it will put people off mm, yeah. doing it. And I, like I've said before, I'm not anti-regulation in any way, shape or form. I have registered with TUSLA. I've done all the things I have to do. But they can make it simpler. It doesn't yeah. have to be complicated. But the, they need to talk to the childminders on the ground yeah. who are actually childminding. There's, a, there's, a, there's an old saying about steamrollers to crack nuts. And I think that could be what they're doing here. And thank you, Anne Ryan, from Anne Ryan Childcare Services. Like, what could happen? <laughs> Call me a conspiracy theorist, if you will. But around the city, listening to me, a county, listening to me right now, there are women predominantly women, but men too, I'm sure, who took in the neighbour's child this morning while the neighbour went to work or do a few jobs. And they do this three or four mornings a week and you get maybe 60 or 70 quid. I don't know what the numbers are, but let's just just say that she gives you 50 quid. So the neighbour gives you 50 quid to take the child two or three mornings a week while they go about their business or go to work or do whatever. They give you 50 quid or 100 quid or whatever it is. Somebody has smelt tax. Somebody has smelt a revenue stream in that little, casual, perfectly happy arrangement that's been going on in Ireland for hundreds of for dozens of years. And if you're given Mrs. O'Mahony two doors down, a couple of quid, three or four mornings a week, to mind little Aoife or little Tom, while you go about your business, do your bit of work, whatever, go to a meeting, whatever it is. You've that little arrangement going. And you're giving Mrs. Mrs. O 60 quid or 25 quid a day or whatever. Somebody smells a bit of tax. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Uh, quite a lot of response to the call earlier about uh, food queues outside Feed Cork. Dermot rang to say that he saw a queue of maybe 25 people stretching around the corner from 
the Feed Cork place. They do their business there on a Wednesday. And he said it just made him physically sick to see it queuing up. People queuing up in, in, in a wealthy country like, like this is. Just listening to your caller about Cork people lining up to get food. Cork people should remember that come the next election and give FG and FFF all. <laughs> I wonder reading that out because it's a good political slogan, but thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, is the grass greener? Speaking of which, we've been talking all morning about some of the issues in Ireland at the moment. High cost of living, businesses closing, big energy bills. Is the grass really greener on the other side? Scott is a prime example of someone who can tell us whether it is or not. Because Scott Adair... Lives in Norway, but you're from Cork and you get back here as often as you possibly can. Start there, Scott. You, you work, You is it Norwegian Air you work for? Good morning. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I work for the airline. I have to there if I go and actually live there. I, I have a, a room there, but technically I suppose I live there just because I spend all my free time there, you know. Okay, so you work. So, oh, so they, the, the, does the airline put you up? No, unfortunately, that's the point. Is I have to put myself up. I chose them to be based there myself. But even with that said, I'd say, I would say 40% of the airmen are actually commuting. You know, so they, there's a lot of the cabin crew, I'd say about 20% of them are from Spain, or the rest of the rest of Europe. So they actually all commute. And then as well, if you're on, like, for example, if you have a family, like I have a young child, so you have uh, you're entitled to part-time work, basically. Right. Um, obviously, the company is to which level I'm on fifty percent, which means I only fly actually nine days a month. So, realistically, at worst case, I'm on twelve. You know. I see. So you're on for five days and then off for thirteen. And do, do you get That's back right. every time, or do you, how often? Yeah, do you? yeah, I do. Yeah, I come back uh, every time, pretty much, um, because. Again, the union, the workers' unions are, are really strong up there. I know everyone says that, but they are really strong. And uh, even throughout the pandemic there, like I know a lot of people in the industry, they're still on pay cuts, whereas our company negotiated that we're back to normal pay now because passenger uh, numbers are back to normal. That, you that's know? fantastic. And and, and uh, so your flight, you, you Norwegian don't, they don't come to Ireland anymore. They did for a while, but they don't. Uh, yeah. When they fly to Dublin, but only two times a week, it's not enough. But even, even with that, it's still just as easy to commute through London. So I go to Dublin or Cork. And oh, pretty good. London, and they have very good connections there. Very, so. very good. It's an interesting way to, to live. I'd say it's, it's a young man's job, is it? You wouldn't, it's not something you do all the time. Uh, it's, yeah. I don't really know. Like, I, looks at opportunities here and looking down the line uh, do, you know, do I want to continue commuting for another 10, 15 years or whatever. And like one of my good friends, he's actually 64 and he does music and he commutes to Scotland. So he's got a, in ways he's got a worse commute to me because sometimes he might get to London and he mightn't have a flight for five hours he might decide to get a train. Okay. So, so what's, what's Norway like? Well, I... You know, they're they're very, um, I suppose, mellow of, you know, the character. They tend to be very chill. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard a Norwegian raise their voice. Um, and I, I was just listening to the comments yesterday that they're happier. I, I jumped in straight away to say I absolutely agree with them. Even, 
like like prime example now is you know parental leave those kind of things. Yeah. You know, no one wants to be working while their wife is just after having a child three weeks ago, and you know, probably not get used to it. And that's the thing where I think the, the wife can take or the mother can take three year paid leave and then have options to have doctor pay for even longer. Some people take two years off. Oh. The father can have up to a year of parental leave um, of the his period short in terms of full pay and, and deductive pay and so on. But also then you're invited to, um, like I said, work less if you have to. So uh, what a lot of family people do both is they have uh, 80% roster scales for means that they only work four days a week and they have five off. And if you're living at home, you know, that's basically, I mean, if you think about it, that's Monday to Friday. So, so work-life work balance would be better, definitely, at Cisco. Oh, it's outstanding, in fairness. And, and as well, obviously, the pay is higher, and the tax is higher. Actually, uh, I, this might sound silly, but it's the easiest way to gauge price. But I travel a bit from Europe, and, you know, I, McDonald's is probably the easiest way to gauge yeah. how expensive a place is. So I think, a happy, not a happy meal, but a meal here is... A, what, 12 euro? 13 euro maybe? 12? Okay, okay. Over there, 14, 50 maybe. I see. You know? So, it, it, like, it used to be much different. You, like, even when I started working there four years ago, it was, there was a bigger gap. But now I think with the inflation here... Or, yeah, you mean the inflation in Ireland, yeah. Yes, yeah, like, Ireland, we, yeah. we hear that, like, it's a beautiful place to live, but it's a very expensive place to live and there's very high taxes. Exactly, but you see, the thing is, you're getting everything for your taxes. You know what I mean? Um, like, there's another example. Just, just talking about from a family perspective. The, um, one of your, your uh, lad there who called me, he asked what the um, housing situation was like. I'm not very versed on that, but I've, I haven't heard anybody, you know, while I tend to complain a lot, I mean, a lot of long times, so you'd often hear about it, but uh, you'd, you'd, you'd hear what's on their mind though. Yeah, um, yeah we're, st- we're, st- we're struggling a bit with your line, so I, I won't hold you for too long more, Scott. Oh, but yeah. In terms of in terms of, <clears throat> of weather and sunlight. Oh yeah. Um, so in Oslo, I think it gets bright about nine o'clock. No, at the moment it's bright about nine. It's dark about half three, or very dark dusk at least. Right. The further north you go, obviously, the darker it is. So in in Tromso, for example, it's a very popular tourist destination. We go there a lot. Um, you don't really have a full sunlight day, if you know what I mean, because of the high terrain as well. Right. So the sun will come up and it's like dusk all day, you know, and even at 12 o'clock in daytime, it feels like it's about five here, you know. Right, right. Um, but they they don't seem particularly, you know, down and out about, about the lack of sunlight, you yeah, know. Yeah, they, well, they, they, make, they make, you know, make up for it in the summer, don't they? Well, yes, absolutely. They have, I mean, I think, it doesn't get dark in Oslo. It doesn't get completely pitch dark at all in the summer at yeah. all. So, um, and as well, they have they're very active, as in they have kind of infrastructure to be outdoorsy all the time, and like they have these um, ski tracks, these cross country ski tracks everywhere. So even if you can't do hills, you just try on your skis and you just it's basically like going for a stroll. You know. Here's the har- here's, here's the hard question, Scott. Could you see um, partner and child moving out there with you? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm a bit of a home bird. Like I don't, I, I I love Ireland. But Not a cork fellas are really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I suppose. I suppose yeah, down the line. But um, to be honest, I I like 
the reason I commute is it, it works financially and all that, and it is, is a very pleasant place to work. But um, yeah, I I still love coming here. So I don't. For me, anyway, I wouldn't. But I, I know I know a lad actually from Malagan moved up there. He met a Swedish girl and he moved to Sweden. So very seems good. a bit different. But yeah. Well, and yeah. When, when is the next flight and where are you going? Um, I think the fourteenth. Yeah. So it's a four days on then, and so I'll fly up on the morning and then come back okay. uh, the, the morning after we finish four days later. So okay. very good. All right, it's Scott. Good luck to you. Not the best phone line in the world, but from uh, speaking to us from Norway, but he's from Cork and he works for Norwegian airline. And just comparing the lifestyles and comparing, you know, faraway hills being green and it does sound like it's a nice place to live. Although I couldn't deal with the dark. I gotta tell you, I couldn't deal with all that dark. It would drive me. It would drive me scatty. Now, 80 years, is it 80 years, 86 years today, Michael Moriarty, the Baldy Barber? Not not you yourself, but 86 years, the shop is open. Morning. Morning. Morning, PJ, how are you? 86 years today, we're in business. Your dad, and by, your dad the, way, and by, and by the way, I had a girlfriend from Trump, so one time. <laughs> Ball, did you get into any conversation? Lily Lingus Ling- <laughs> from Trumpsa, 1982. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. 86 years ago today, your dad opened the shop. And are you, I'm Martin's King. Are you still going strong or are yeah, you just still yeah. going? We're still going not strong, not as strong, but I've been trying to stay positive. Yeah. And as, as I know, yesterday was a disaster day, but today now there's a few inside the shop, thank God, and the troops are walking away. Yeah. And I have my friend Liam Donnelly you know, waiting on the chair there for half or two haircuts. <laughs> I get some stagging. But I don't mind. He's used to it. He's going over. Yeah. yeah. But we keep going as long as we can. Had to put a few pounds into the business uh, Christmas to keep going for two, three months, January, February, March. Yes. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And please God, I'll get it back at yeah. the end of the year. And how's the, how's the health with you? The health is great, PJ. 75 now this year, boy. And they do not care. Try to go to swimming four or five days a week. Good up to you. And it's great. And try to play golf one day a week and bend it with my toes and four bot. Brilliant. You know? But life is great. And it's, I feel sorry for a lot of young people. I heard Joe there earlier talk yeah. about the cost of everything. Yeah. And particularly in ladies' hairdressing. It has gone crazy. I was talking to a girl in Wicklow yesterday. The Irish Hairdressing Federation, and you said the cost of their of everything, yeah. the, the hair dryers and all that. I don't have that, yeah. But yeah. Uh, like uh, my bill is double as well for my little shop, yeah. But, uh, but we we we'll try and stay positive. And you know? you know what? You're great at doing that, and you always were. Michael, thank you. Some businesses struggling, but so many of them still pulling pulling and dragging along. And the Baldy Barber is a Cork institution. This fella sitting in front of me is a kind of an adopted. Cork Institution and the last time you sat there Gareth O'Callaghan you had just retired from the radio I, uh, yeah I know it's extraordinary <laughs> because the minute I retired I, I knew it was the, the worst mistake I'd made in my life really because, oh yeah well, within a week I was miserable and, and you know I, I know I retired on health grounds but I remember saying to myself I loved it so much maybe I should have just taken a short break from it yeah. but, but I know at that stage I was I was on a, a very strange regime and a kind of a, 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 a what would you call it a cocktail of medication to try and balance things out after I had been diagnosed with a very nasty condition but things things have mellowed beautifully and um, 
Thanks be to God, I, I, I can safely say my health is in, yeah. uh, is in good form. You good look shape, well, man. my dear friend. Thank you. You yeah. look well. How how are you? I mean, you had a nasty... What happened? Would you tell people what happened at Christmas? <laughs> one more person asked me, what happened to Gary? The wheelie bin saga, as it's become known in CUH. Uh, I was putting the wheelie bin, the black bin, out one night, and uh, I, I was very proud of the fact that I had filled it to the brim. And something I didn't know was that you meant to pull a wheelie bin, not push it. And it was raining and it was windy and it was about half past 12 at night and it was miserable and it wouldn't move. So I gave it a bit of a kick with my foot, but my hands were tucked so firmly down into the two handles that it came back at me with a vengeance, came crashing back down onto the ground and it crushed all of my knuckles. Oh yeah, on oh, you the full weight of you full and the weight bin. On the bin. And then oh. I went I went down. I couldn't lift it. I actually thought my knuckle my, my fingers were gone because there was no sensation. So it took me about twenty minutes to get my knee under the bin to release my fingers. Um I got back in, there was blood everywhere. Um but kinda of, Typical man, I thought, I'm going to man this out for the night, you know. I like, there's a lot more people up in CUH who are far worse off than me. So, But by half four, I couldn't bear the pain. You got an infection. Got an infection. <laughs> then you got um, COVID. Then I got COVID and I had two rounds of surgery to save three of the fingers. So uh, can I just thank Dr. Jemima, who is one of the greatest surgeons I've ever met. I think I've only ever met one surgeon, actually, but she was, she was fantastic. Good, good. And I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I, I don't like general anaesthetics. And uh, they asked me, when was the last time you had one? And I said, when I was six, I was having my tonsils out. And they said, well, things have changed radically since then. You know, there, there was only one anaesthetic then. So I said to the anaesthetist, I said, well, will you only give me a little drop of it? Um, and he said, well, I tell you what, he was a guy from New York, lovely guy. He says, I'll tell you what, Gary, he says, I'll, I'll give you a four. If I was going to give you a ten, I'm going to give you a four. And I said, you're not going to stick that thing down my throat. He says, the intubator? No, there'll be no need, pal, there'll be no need. He says, just let me give you a little shot in the arm here. This is just a local. And put that over your face there. Tell me what you love about Cork. So I was saying, well, do you know the thing? <laughs> and I woke up three and a half hours later with padding on my hands uh-huh. that Conor McGregor would be proud of. <laughs> and uh, they said to me, enjoy your Christmas dinner the following day. So the dinner came in. Through a straw. Was it? I, well, you know, one of the catering staff, she was lovely. And she says to me, she says, this is your Christmas dinner. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth, I mean, I, you know, it's, this, this, this blasted disease should have taken this precious voice from you years ago. Yeah. Something is keeping it in you. And yeah. it's wonderful. It is wonderful, yeah, and um, I don't really know what's what's happening. And and to be perfectly honest with you, uh, a couple of people who I was diagnosed around about the same time as have gone, um, and here I am. I'm 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 kind of I I was walking around town for half an hour on the way up this morning, and feeling wonderful, and. Yeah, more conscious than ever that as we get on in life, we have to look after ourselves. Mm. Allow ourselves to go a little mad at times. And avoid stress. Avoid stress. Avoid, avoid stress. Well, anxiety will set fire to it. I, I said hello to you on Old is Irish when I was on a couple of weeks I ago. You. Thank you. And I said that I had a little announcement to make. And maybe the lads listening this morning might have heard this. You are going to take this chair for a couple of days. I am. Not just the chair, but the microphone as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to take your wonderful production team, Emer and Fergal. Yes, thank you. And thank you for asking me. I'm going to be here 
stepping into your shoes uh, tomorrow and Friday and hopefully the listenership will still be intact well, by Tuesday. One thing I know about you, you love a conversation. Oh, so God. the invitation <laughs> with this show is always join the conversation yeah. and you'll be here tomorrow and Friday. It's wonderful to see you. I give my yeah, love like to Paula. That. I will. And we, and we will talk again very, very soon. With you tomorrow, folks, Gar- and Friday, uh, the great Gareth O'Callaghan joins the crew at Cork's 96 <laughs> FM. Wonderful to see. And that's it. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. Join Gareth tomorrow and Friday, and I'll talk to you Tuesday, just after nine. This guy was amazing. This guy from Croatia, and he was, he's actually one of the best salesmen I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And was it because he was so nice? Nice, informative. Do you know that I'm a pretty nifty salesperson as well? Go on. I'm really, really good at selling. You the old Jordan Belfort now on me. Okay. Send me this pen. Here's a pen. Yeah. All right. How much would you give me for that pen? Uh, 50 cents. Sold. There you go. Thank you very much. Wow. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the City. Corks 96 FL. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.